we're going to start this evening off with uh, a person that, again, as they always say, needs no introduction. The executive director of National Braille Press. Brian, welcome. Well, thank you, Brian. I'm glad to be here again. This is a great night always for us. We love it. Uh, here, it's going to be a little confusing because we're both Brian, but that works fine for me. I'm really excited again to be here uh, in spite of some of the uh, rather odd-looking specimens around. We're not in our normal venue as if there ever was such a thing. Uh, here we have a T-Rex looking over us. This is the last couple of years we've tried to mix it up instead of being always at a hotel for a traditional kind of gala or convention space and last year was at the Red Sox which was as you know terrific right after they had won the World Series and it was a, a great uh, place to be in at Fenway Park so this year we really wanted to be somewhere different and it has it turned out the Museum of Science had an opening and we're earlier than normal but um, we were anxious to get the opportunity to leverage it and make it happen. Well, with science and math and the whole STEM being such an important part of what National Braille Press brings to the blindness community, it seems like an appropriate venue. Can you tell us a little bit about NBP's involvement in this whole STEM and access to science, technology, mathematics, and engineering, right? Yes. I have them in the wrong order, though. That's okay. No, uh, we've obviously been very active in technology books for the last few years, as I'm sure you're aware of, and not, not just for lay people to learn how to use an iPhone or a tablet or something like that, or iOS, but more, more technical, too, over time with different operating systems. So I think we've you know jumped at that quite aggressively over the last few years, doing a lot of books that were pretty well received. But on the other side of it, in the educational front, we certainly are really concerned and want to be certain that tactile graphics are taught well for students and that they are really good, clear graphics for a textbook or a standardized assessment and things like that. So we've been very actively involved in it that way as well to make sure that they, they can com completely understand either the material or a question they might have about a topic. And how does NBP go about creating these graphics? Well, there are a lot of different ways to make graphics. We still use thermoforms a lot. Um, and depending on the graphic, uh, sometimes it's collage. It depends on the complexity of, of the diagram or image that we're looking at. But um, when you talk about a textbook or a standardized assessment, we still use collage methods. And we still use... Um, tigers and build on those in different ways to laser cut as we use depending on what we're doing uh, different formats but um, they ultimately are all put into a uh, thermoform output gotcha so you create the master using one of these other methods and then do the duplication using thermoform correct understood very good and that has allowed you to do a number of rather interesting things. I, I understand there's going to be a book coming out, an update of uh, Touching the Stars, is it? Yeah, actually, um, we were, oh, I, I don't know if we even have it released yet. I don't think we do yet, but nope. it's coming up soon. Um, we've been working on it for a while, and, and it was done a long time ago, so we've um, updated the code, obviously, from EBAE to UEB, and we've also... Um, you know, made a couple changes in the graphics that had um, to be changed because of uh, 
just just little identification marks for certain things. But um, yeah, that'll that'll be coming out soon. It's a classic that everyone likes. The graphics are outstanding, and we'll continue to do that. In fact, at the tables tonight, um, all the play settings have tactile graphics for the guests to have as well. And we focused on STEM items. You know, one's a dinosaur, one's an eyeball, one's a virus. Different different types of images that really um, will have people that don't have any familiarity with what tactile graphics mean to really get a good understanding of how important they are for students and adults to have. And this is very important for people to understand that it's as much the adult as the student. I was in uh, Oklahoma this weekend and a student who was becoming a rehabilitation teacher was having to take the course on the human eye and she asked where can I go about getting raised line graphics of the human eye and you can imagine my answer National Braille Press well we're we're fortunate I think I mentioned a couple of years ago that we received the Princeton Brailleist collection which most people know of them for their maps but actually Nancy Amick had been many years working with uh, in the old days RFB and D and um reading physics books and chemistry books and, and, and she finally had made a number of tactile graphics for for supporting those uh, areas and we also inherit all these 7 by 7 inch tactile graphic plates out of aluminum that are just beautiful and that's what we actually use for those play settings tonight so they're really high detail beautiful quality and they really uh, thermoform really well so we have science as a very important part of what NBP does, testing a very important part, of course, and that's allowed NBP to do fairly well financially this year, is that correct? Yes, we had a, a, a really great year. Our fiscal year ends March 31st, but it was the best year in our history, to be honest, and um, we're, we were happy that we were able to deliver all these items on time with good quality and accuracy. And, um, it, it's made a big difference, obviously. So we, we are continuing to grow in that area. We're trying to renovate a third floor in the near future to add an educational area where we can do production, more production and more space for things like that. And um, we're also doing a strategic plan right now, which is looking at not just um, our work and how we can support new programs and TVIs and Braille and tactiles, but also how we can expand internationally as well more than we are. So that's, uh, there's a lot going on, for sure. Now, National Braille Press, that, that word national, I mean, I know of NBP because I live here in the Boston area, and because when I was younger, I counted on NBP books, even when I lived out in Oregon, for access to some things. But it's truly a national and international entity, is it not? It is. We Even just in our regular publications that we do well with, uh, I think last I checked, we were in 19 countries where people were buying products from us. Um, but now that we are distributors for the BrailleMe, which uh, you're familiar with, um, we're doing that for North America, but we've just added um, Guam, the Philippines, and 25 of the smaller island countries in the Caribbean. And, and we've helped in Africa and, and Italy and it's funny how products kind of just kind of creep everywhere. You know, even our B2G was in Greece and China and Italy and these locations in Australia that you, you, somehow they migrate there. So um, we certainly think it's time to really look at how we can support um, more countries, uh, including other languages, ultimately. For those who don't know what the Braille Me is, how would you describe it? 
The Braille Me is kind of like a simple Kindle refreshable Braille display that you can download books onto an SD card or take notes with a, you know, like for grocery shopping list or, a, you know, small notes of some kind of a letter. And uh, it's low cost. I think the biggest difference is it's $500 for a 20-cell display. Granted, it's very limited in its capacity. It doesn't have Wi-Fi and lots of, you know, features perhaps that other more expensive devices have. But you can Bluetooth it to an iPhone or an Android phone, so it has a lot of capability when you think of it that way. And we're really proud to have worked with them as winners of our Touch of Genius Prize to help them bring it to market and um, make a low-cost alternative for Braille. Yeah. So much of the future of Braille is electronic Braille. Uh, there's nothing that I think I'll ever be happier with than a volume open in my lap. But that really limits the number of titles and the type of material and the timeliness of material that I can get a hold of. So a device like the Braille Me makes a huge difference in being able to be up to date in my reading. Now, you used some letters earlier that maybe not all of our listeners recognized, and that is the major change in the Braille code that's happened in the past couple of years. Can you take a moment to explain that? Well, sure. Um, America seems to be always the slowest to respond to some of these kinds of issues, much like metric, but um, the rest of the country had, uh, had um, adopted uh, UEB, which is a Unified English Braille Code, and we did it, I think, in 2016, January 4th, 2016, during Louis Braille's birthday, where um, the, rest, the U.S. The United States had uh, adopted as well. So there was some, obviously, states have control of their own educational fields. And uh, for the last couple of years, we've done both, both formats, to be honest, for, especially for textbooks, depending on the age of the children. And uh, high school kids, you know, weren't going to be forced at that time to switch back to UEB and learn that the little differences perhaps as quickly as um, younger children. But we've been making multiple formats as we always do, whatever people need. And um, and our devices that we've had, uh, like the, the B2G that was our own product, could could choose any kind of format someone wanted as an adult, whether it be contracted or uncontracted in English Braille American Edition versus UEB. So uh, we like to be versatile because we have a lot of diverse audiences. Indeed, of all ages and all kinds of different needs. What has been the biggest change this year for National Braille Press? Yes, you got more business dealing with testing, and that's helped economically. Any other major changes? Well, I'll say a milestone in that we actually sold the last B2G from the first production run we did. And so now we're, people say, what's next? What's next? Well, obviously we're selling the Braille Me, which I mentioned, and we're looking for distributors in all these countries to help with this. But we're also still continuing to work with our Center for Braille Innovation on finding ways to solve a you know, refreshable, tactile, graphic, full-page display and um, looking at new partners all the time to test these things. We just launched the Touch of Genius Prize for this coming year, and we've already had some really interesting technology products that are being proposed uh, that I think could be exciting. So we're continuing to scavenge the world and look for partners and solutions that can make this ultimate new device that we want to have come. So, Excellent. Have you had much in the way of staff changes over the course of the past year? 
Well, we're having some right now. Our controller is about to leave. Um, we hired a new controller recently, and our head of IT has been here for many years, and, and she's slowly trying to let her way out the door, but I, I keep getting a lasso and pulling her back. But we have a couple major changes that way, and we've certainly hired more proofreaders in the last uh, couple of months because, as I said, we're trying to expand, and we're always looking for growth and transcribers and proofreaders, and we've had some new people there, too. Uh, but beyond that, we're just trying to keep our eye on the ball and look down the goalposts and make sure that we have enough people and equipment and everything to continue our growth. So... As you establish um, new goals for the agency, what kind of things is NBP looking at uh, as it does its long-range planning? You're going to stay put here in this building and expand up to the third floor? Yes, so we are doing our strategic plan now, and some of the areas we're focusing on are new programs that support TVIs beyond what they get in college and training, and also for TVIs that might need refreshers on Braille and stuff if they didn't have a blind student for a couple of years or something. So we're looking at areas like that to support Braille in the broader terms of just providing books and materials. But on the other hand, yeah, we are looking at uh, renovating a third floor that's primarily our warehouse space now for finished goods and raw materials and making it a, a, a larger area more efficiently for our test center to be up there so it's secure and allows for growth there. And ultimately, if we continue to look this way, adding a fourth floor on the building, like a brand new floor on our roof, where our roof is now. So we'll see. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't yeah. that be amazing? I know when the Perkins School for the Blind uh, put up the Grossbeck Center, they actually put Braille <clears throat> on the ceiling, or rather the roof. So if you look at uh, Google World at that particular space, you can read the Braille visually. I didn't know that. That's yeah. good trivia. Yeah, it's great trivia. <laughs> so... We have some great things that are being auctioned off this evening. Um, some really passionate people about making sure that people have access to Braille have made some pretty significant donations to support that effort. Um, I believe the chair of, is it the chair of your board or the chair of the actual event who donates time in France? Yes, Tom Sullivan is our, our co-chair of the gala. He's been a chair of our gala for many, many, many years, well over a decade. And he um, owns a number of vineyards in France, and one of his flagship ones is Chateau Gabi, which is um, just a 17th century, it looks like a mini little castle almost, the actual chateau. and. Um, he, he's offered it for many years now where it sleeps 12 people. Um, it's right literally in the vineyard and it gives you two cases of this, this beautiful wine. And uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's six nights or five, five nights, six days at, at the Chateau. And every year it's been very, very popular and a really great live auction item for us. So we're very grateful to Tom for that. And um, I, I, he just is continuing to amaze us with his generosity and, and friendship to us. And sports teams haven't done too badly by you either, have they? No, we're, I mean, we're very fortunate to be in Boston. No offense to the rest of our country that we've had so many good championships here and, and really, really great owners as well. And uh, Rick Grosbeck, um, for many years, has helped us um, 
with um, supporting our, our, our gala and our organization. And uh, another live auction item this year is courtside seats at the Celtics um, and access to the Putnam Club. Putnam's a sponsor this year as well, which we're happy about. And also there's a um, um, Patriots-Giants uh, game coming up that is also at the Putnam Club with the same kind of amenities. So it's uh, we have great items that way. And we also have a separate item, which is uh, the Cubs-Red Sox game next year with a three-night hotel stay and great, again, same kind of seats uh, to watch the Red Sox play the Cubs at Wrigley, which is really exciting. That's That's terrific. You know, the way that corporate America has supported National Braille Press over the years is quite impressive. Um, I understand that uh, Tufts is one of your long-term supporters. That's true. We're honoring uh, Tufts, this Tufts Health Plan this year. Tom Croswell, the CEO, will be accepting the award from me tonight. And they it's interesting. They've been supporters of our gala since 2007 and been very generous corporate supporters. On the flip side, we ironically have been with them for over 30 years um, as a customer of their health plan. So we've had a long time relationship with them even before they were supporting us. So it's been interesting. It's been great. We're also recognizing the Gibney Family Foundation tonight with the hands-on award because they've they've supported us since the Louis Braille biography was originally published by Michael Meller, who's also here tonight, by the way, the author. And um, then after that, they've been uh, funding our Touch of Genius Prize program ever since then, continuously, which is amazing. So really excited to continue to have that partnership as well. Yeah, the accumulative uh, effect of these kinds of supports can't be overstated. Um, I have a caliper that was one of the winners, correct? That's correct. And and that's what the family understands too, the Family Foundation, that when we have applicants, we would have 15 to 25 applicants a year apply for this prize. And it is international. Many of them have come from overseas, the winners. But the residuals of it are not just the winners. There's intangible values of a lot of people that have placed and not even won that continue to work on their efforts and even apply again another year. And we did a survey a year ago of winners and applicants about have you continued your research in your particular product or, or program or curriculum and we've got amazing testimonials about how much the Touch of Genius Prize has really excited them to continue their work so yeah, it's really amazing program that we're really proud of now. Again National Braille Press while its core function is to put out hard copy braille and make that available to us at us meaning the blindness community at a reasonable price. The fact of the matter is that uh, it has expanded over the years to incorporate many of these other things and to be a real, if you will, game changer in the field of braille and blindness. Well, thank you for, for those nice comments. We do feel that our efforts are to make sure that Braille stays alive in any format and, and to make sure that it's affordable as much as possible. So we continue to make that a main part of our mission. And I should say Braille and tactile graphics. Absolutely. Uh, the whole concept of tactile graphics, I'm going to come back to that to, to bring this to a close, is very, very important because, you know, that old phrase, a picture's worth a thousand words. And a thousand words in Braille is 
quite a sizable volume. <laughs> um, so being able to access graphics and make sense out of the those graphics, very important. Is NBP involved at all at developing methods and or instructional materials so that TVIs can teach graphic literacy to their students? You must be reading my cheat sheet because one of the things we are exactly looking at in our strategic plan for uh, a product or program is actually working with other partners um, in the field to make sure that there are standards. I know Banner has great standards on tactographics, I don't mean it that way, but methodologies for teachers and TVIs to know what resources they have or may not be able to have or that they can make work to provide tactile graphics ongoing in real time for a student and we think there's a lot more that could be done there so we're actually uh, have a team of ours um, flying out soon to meet with some other organizations to to discuss those kinds of things and see how we can help with that so yeah we're, we're you're thinking exactly as we are brian well i've been uh enjoying looking at a number of pieces of technology over the years and this whole issue of tactile graphics and most recently I've had the graffiti in my home for the last two months. Oh, nice. And uh, it's astounding to me as I show it to people the percentage of especially those who are older who were never taught this skill of interpreting graphics. Uh, it's one thing to be able to look at a bar graph or a pie chart and make sense out of it. But when the graphic becomes, uh, like you were talking about earlier, um, stars and magnitude of stars and distance of stars, etc., etc., where where that image is intended to give the viewer lots of layers of information, uh, and when it when it's an organic type thing like a, a graphic that shows um, I don't know a moose versus a deer for example right the whole concept of perspective and shading and all the other things that having a palette of colors provides you right being able to look at things if you will globally and identify them while tactily you have to kind of feel parts and then build that image in your mind and make sense out of it in that fashion. So this idea of training people to be able to take advantage of a tool like like the graffiti or any kind of uh, tactile electronic graphics display. So, so important. Yeah, we're excited about it. It is a new frontier that still needs a lot of work. And I, I don't mean it against the graffiti in any way. I meant in general, just to make uh, make opportunities available. Again, we're a long way from perfection. Yep. But we are a long way from where we began. Absolutely. As well. Uh, and so I'm excited to see NBP take a role in looking at literacy as being both Braille literacy and tactile literacy. So what else would you like to share with our audience this evening? Um, well, obviously tonight's a celebration of a lot of things, and I think we'll have a great program that people will enjoy. Um, I just leave it with, if anyone ever wants to contact us directly, they can go to our, we have a brand new website, which uh, launched about a month ago, and it's nbb.org still for National Braille Press. But I think people will find it... Um, I think easier to find materials and things. We've really put about a year of our senior team working on it, and we're happy with its results. 
But if you have questions, you want to reach out to me directly, um, you can do president at mvp.org and um, our website, as I said, and we'd be glad to reach out and answer any questions people might have. Again, thank you as president of this organization, but also um, please thank your staff on behalf of all of us Braille readers out there who have benefited from this organization's efforts. Well, I, I have to say thank you, I will, and I always do, but I also want to thank you and Rick because ACB Radio has been just such great partners with us over the years for our gala, our annual meeting, and, and covering it live like this, and it's so nice for us to reach a national audience now that could not necessarily ever be here in person to really experience our gala and how much fun it is, so we really appreciate that very much from you guys. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian Charlson and... And Rick Morin here at the Museum of Science in Boston, Massachusetts. And we are in the midst of the production crew yes, for the... Is this the back of the room or the side of the room? Uh, it's the side of the room, I think. Side I, of the room. Well... I mean, we've been so busy since we've been here, I haven't had a chance to tell where anything is. Out. Yeah, exactly. I, I know that uh, the Museum of Science here is kind of cool because the uh, it's got a whole series of floors. And the what's the first floor? We're in the basement right now, which is the uh, basement of the Blue Wing over by the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the whole dinosaur museum or, uh, excuse me, not museum, but dinosaur exhibit. And if you're on the first floor, you can actually look down into this whole area, um, almost like you're in a mall type thing, you know? Yes, exactly, yeah. So so it's, it, it's, it's really, really cool. But uh, So, once again, this is the National Braille Press Annual Gala, uh, a million... Laughs for literacy. Have I got it right? That's correct. I think I got that right for that's, a change. That's correct. You now, got when right. you say Tyrannosaurus Rex in the future, just say T Rex because it takes way too many syllables to say the whole name. But anyway, anyway, so we're here in the hall because the theme, in terms of taking advantage of the location, is all about dinosaurs. So, hey, it was terrific that you found that old Fred Flintstone clip. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's hear the story behind that. Well, you tell the story. Joe would tell the story later in the interview we had with Joe Quintanilla. I used to, for the longest time, I called him Cantania. Well, I mean, he didn't and, appreciate the negative connotation of Cantania. No, 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 no. But 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 you started you. It's Q U I, right? And but you said. It should be pronounced like Q-U-E, I think, yeah. when we were with him the other day. But it's Q-U-I. It's Quintanilla. 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 Joe Quintanilla. Who is the, the uh, director? You know why you can't trust them? One moment. They make up everything. Huh. Not sure what that was. Are you? Not sure what that was either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right about now, we're supposed to start at 715 
and uh, it, it was really an interesting, uh, interesting afternoon. The Museum of Science is open till 5 p.m. in the afternoon, and they would not let any of us in here to set up until after closing. And we didn't make it down to here our table till 5:15. And, uh, with an intention of beginning our broadcast at six, at at, at six thirty, and and we almost made we it. We got but very close, six forty. Yeah, yeah, we almost we almost made it, except for the fact that, uh, um, yes, uh, except for the fact that we were having trouble with one of our connections, and I still don't know why. But we swapped them out, and everything everything appears to be the case. I think somebody is just calling us. Are you still monitoring us over there, Brian? Uh, I can't do both simultaneously. I, I, I didn't think so. Because so. of the, the staggered d- delay and the like. Yeah. So, I, so I, I, I'm I going to double check. I'm going to step out. You yeah, keep what, chit-chatting. Why don't you do and that? And I'll double check. Okay, thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to ACB Radio Live Event. Uh, my name is Rick Moore, and I'm here with Brian Charlson, and it's always a pleasure to be uh, doing things again with Brian. Um we're here at the Museum of Science in Boston, Massachusetts for the 2019 Million Laughs for Literacy uh, Gala that's going to feature a comedian by the name of Pat McGann, who we're going to be, uh, who's going to be uh, on the program, I think, sometime around 9 o'clock. Now, the way this thing's supposed to roll out, they're supposed to already have uh, invited people into the hall. Um, I see people up on the first floor kind of looking down <laughs> into this area, but I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of people down here yet uh, in the area, but we'll start, start hearing some voiceovers here in a little bit. I, uh, I have the house sound up just a bit, so we'll, we'll, keep, it, we'll keep it up so that you can uh, get a sense of what's happening here. Um, at 7.15, uh, the program is actually supposed to start. I have a feeling we're going to be starting a little bit late tonight. Uh, but, uh, man, I, I'll tell you, what a, what an exciting afternoon. Um, we, uh, well, uh, you know, I, n- no sense getting into the tech. If you had tuned in a little bit early, I'm sure you heard us uh, trying all kinds of stuff to get ourselves uh, back up on the air. And I think, hopefully, we finally accomplished it. So... Brian right now is tuning in using ACB Radio, uh, ACB Link rather, and he's trying to tune in on ACB Radio live event on ACB Link. Um, if you don't have ACB Link, by all means, uh, go to the iOS App Store or the Google Play Store and download ACB Link. Uh, it is probably the, well, the only way that's easier to listen to ACB Link, I think, or ACB Radio rather, uh, is through Alexa. Um, right now, if if you have an Alexa nearby, and if you're listening with Alexa in the room, Alexa, <laughs> hello. I hope I just turned on everybody's Alexas. But if you say Alexa, tune in ACB Radio Live Event. If you say Alexa, tune in ACB Radio Live Event, then um, you'll uh, you should start hearing the stream. So, so that's pretty cool. Let me check in with Brian here. Are you having any luck over there, Brian? You having any luck over there, Brian? Hello, hello. I, I'm back to you here. Any luck over and there? And I will tell you that we are broadcasting well. And, and, and good. good. Sounding good, good. excellent. Good, 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 good. Hearing good. you all talk about ACB Radio Link, uh, but also about our 
Well, the person I refer to as my girlfriend. Who's that? Alexa. Oh, yeah, your girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of those devices throughout my home, in my living room, in my kitchen, in each of the bedrooms, in the... Only your girlfriend has an alias in your house. Well, she has different names in different <laughs> rooms, so that if she overhears me speaking with one of the others, she's not overly confused. Now, so. you, you, in one room, you have Cortana, you've got Google... And I've got... Google Home, right? Right, yep. And you've got Alexa. Correct. Now, so, can you get the three of them talking to each other? I think you we, did that. We you, did do you, that you, once. You did, you did that once. It was kind of fun, actually. And, and, and the two of them it's were kind of like a little Furbies. confused. Yeah. Remember, remember Furbies when yes. Furbies used to talk to each other? Exactly. You know? So they start to, Because they do some sound recognition stuff, right? And back and forth they go. I can't remember. I think we said something like, uh, Alexa... Say, hey Google, who is the best personal assistant? And uh, who is the best PA? Huh? Right. Yeah. And then she said those words, which triggered the Google Mini to hear the question and attempt to answer the question. To which uh, Alexa became quite disappointed. Because she couldn't understand what he was asking. Yeah. One's a female voice and one's more of a male voice in our household. So that makes a bit of a difference. The Museum of Science here in Boston is kind of a cool place because they're really, really committed to accessibility. Absolutely. Nora uh, Nagel is uh, a huge, huge advocate for accessibility here. She herself is blind and uses a service dog. Yeah, uh, to get around, and you should see her tool through this place, Rick. Oh, I thought you were going to say you should see her service dog. It's a well, big, yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? Oh, a hundred and ten pounds. <laughs> one hundred ten pound male German Shepherd. One hundred and ten pounds. Holy we are, cow! We are, we are talking. That's more than she weighs. I, exactly. And when the two of them get going, I mean, she's probably a hundred pounds. You know, out, dripping wet, coming yes, out of the shower. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But again, talk about uh, a really smooth team working through what is, uh, you know, by its very nature, a chaotic experience here, right? Lots of kids. It's a science museum. It's a hands-on learning experience museum. Yeah. So there's families, uh, uh, there's kids. Uh, I think that there are probably five kids for every one adult in the space at any given time. Yep. So, yeah, and seeing them go through this was just just amazing. And again, that commitment to accessibility, I was here a couple of weeks ago, and they were having us examine a couple of what will be new installations in about uh, six to eight months of interactive things that you would think, well, you know, everything's behind glass at a museum. No, not at the Museum of Science. Here it is truly, truly hands-on. There's this little... A robot hedgehog that you get to program. I love the way you described him. What, what, what was his back like? Oh, oh. See, see if you remember what you, the way you described his back to me. Oh, his back was as kind of like somebody who's done up their hair, you know, in spikes. Yeah, you, all over. You said it was prickly. It was absolutely prickly. <laughs> and then his nose. If you touched his nose, why, why he is, changed colors. And you oh, touched really? his behind, and he changed sound effects. <laughs> One of which I was glad to say was not inspired by the Lion Want King. To know how often I tell element jokes? One moment. Periodically, 
Ha. Ten minutes until dinner begins. Oh, Please take your seats. I get you. That's what that was. They're that was doing cute. a. That was cute. They're doing an Alexa kind of thing. That aren't was they? cute. Hey, you know what that reminds me of though? That's, that's just like um, the play we just saw. Um, oh come on! What's what's the name of that show? But, come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! You know, what do you think here? Um, dear Evan Hansen. Oh, Dear Evan Hansen, it's, yep. It's very Dear, dear, dear Evan the Hansen. The reading of the emails. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that is a great show. That is, uh, it, it, it combines social media and uh, the millennium generation and all kinds of stuff uh, into a show with some absolutely fabulous music and a very, very interesting storyline. Yes, um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. That, that is really, really terrific. Now, uh, you saw it both in Broadway and here in Boston. Yeah, is that right? I have. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I think I've seen it now three times. Well, and, you've uh, reached your limit. you got to let somebody else have a seat. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I saw it audio described here. I saw it in New York uh, on Broadway, and I saw it uh, with my family here as well. And, and we've got the Lion King coming in town here pretty soon. See, everybody's going to be envious of our theatrical uh, access here. Yeah, and Bo- they should be. We do a marvelous job of it here in Boston. Yeah, Boston does a good job with, uh, with theater. Uh, and I, I, I think uh, adv- advocates here in the Boston area have a lot to do with that. Uh, your wife, of course, that, Madam, yeah. Madam Kim. Is, Matt, yeah, the ACB immediate past president. Has been, has been uh, involved since the very beginning. Yeah, I don't think uh, you need to remind people that she was immediate past I think people know that already. Don't well, you think? people of. And, and, and you were the immediate past first dude. First dude it was, yes. <laughs> But now I am a retired gentleman. Right. Now you're just a dude. Now I'm just a dude, and I get to do what this dude wants to do. That's right. And that's why I'm here at the NBP Gala. That's right. Now, I was telling you, Rick, earlier as we were coming over here in the the back seat of an Uber that uh, I'm reading a book about catering. And can you imagine, we were talking about the problems with AV, right? Coming in here and having to set up our computers and our broadcast and the sound system and the, they're videoing everything tonight as well as putting videos up on big screens and the like. And I heard the clink of wine glasses. Can you imagine trying to bring in tables, set tables for 500 plus, bring all the food from wherever the catering kitchen is, which is not in this building. It's off-site. How do you know it's not in this building? Because I know this building. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. I should know better than to, ask, to challenge you in that kind of That's stuff. That's right. When it comes to food, don't uh, challenge me, big yeah, guy. Yeah. Okay? But can you imagine bringing all of that, setting it all up, and attempting to feed 500 people at one moment? Unlike a restaurant where they come in, you see them, you do five or six service there, and then you move on to another table, five, etc. Here, it's everybody gets to eat the pretty much the same thing at the same moment of time and they all have to do a great it has to be a great memorable meal and it is going to be that way here because who's it being catered by rick a wolfgang puck wolfgang puck yeah now he is not known i love to say his name yeah (laughs) (laughs) have you ever eaten at one of his restaurants um i I can't say i have um i ate at one of he has kind of a junior version if you will with a, a much more limited menu and more if you will uh everyday kind of pricing <laughs> um, and it was quite good but 
this, you know, Wolfgang is quite the chef and uh, comes up with some rather interesting things. So I have not seen what the menu is tonight. I have, find somebody to tell us. I that. have not either. Uh, and I might also mention that we haven't eaten anything. No, we have tonight. not. No, we have and not. And I'm not sure whether that was supposed to happen in the green room or we weren't. Attention, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Here we go. At this time, we'd like to invite you down for dinner. Once again, please use the escalator to go down. We are about to start dinner. Thank you. That hasn't been 10 minutes. Well. <laughs> We know this to be true. And that's not what their VOG said. You know, they're... they're, they're now, going, explain to me. They're trying to go off script here to catch up a little bit. I think they are. But, so, I've got a question for you. Have you that? figured out what VOG stands I, for? The VO has uh, got to be voiceover. I don't know what the G means, though. I want to tell you something, Rick, you may not have noticed while you were doing all this setup. Because what's, you what, have to be that? so centered on it. Right. The people around you were right. just as frantic. Oh, I know that. As you were. And every time they got something they thought worked and turned to some other task, they'd come back and find the thing they thought was working wasn't working. I'll tell you, it made me feel so good. It should. These are pros at this. It it, it made me feel so good. (laughs) These guys are pros at this. The the guy to our left, his name is Andrew, and he is, I believe, one of the um, event coordinators. And I, 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 you know, he's... uh, a lot of these companies have like uh, managers, account managers. Right, exactly. I, I, I think he's somewhat uh, in in that regard. But somehow he he drew the short straw tonight, and he's the guy that's got to play the music. Exactly, and he sits down at a Windows-based machine when he's a Mac guy. Yeah, and, the, and the first thing that happens when they booted up the machine was that it was awaiting Windows updates. The, exactly. <laughs> uh, anybody who uses computers know that that so is not your so best Jeff moment. So, Jeff Bishop, if you're listening, God almighty. <laughs> Although, although Windows Update Now has got a cool feature. You can go into Windows Update Now, and you can actually suspend your Windows updates for a number of days. Here we go. Hold on. No charge. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, Five minutes until dinner. There Please we go. Take your uh, seats. We missed a good one, I'm sure. I think so. And I, she laughed for herself. I, I love the little beeps, the little blunks yep. Yep. At, at the end. Those are kind of cool. So, so anyways, yeah, when... Um, when everybody sits down and gets ready for dinner, then the uh, I believe Susan Warnick, who has been the MC here for God, we've been doing this two for years. This is like our fifth year, and I think Susan has done it for three or four of those five years that we've done it. Correct. And I'm trying to remember who the other one was. Um, Don't ask me. You know who they had the year before we did this? They had Glenn Ordway. As the host. You oh, know, oh, oh I, yes, that the, was before us. The other guy was Brown, wasn't he? He was a newscaster here in the Boston area. Oh, yeah, and he was the guy was, he was the guy that kept uh, saying N- NPB instead of NBP. Yeah. He, he inverse two letters. So, somebody jinxed him and said, said you're going to start saying NBPB, and he said, no, 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 and and God, it you know just it? went on and on and, and on. Every, like that. Every, every time he did it, that's that's what he said. So the room is starting to get a little bit noisier now. So that's probably a good indication that we're going to get ready to start here pretty soon. Correct. Correct. Everybody, you're listening to ACB Radio Live Event. The American Council of the Blind uh, brings you ACB Radio. We're thrilled to death to be here. 
and uh, well, maybe want, not to death. Want to give shouts out, shout outs to Jason Castangue and Deb Hazelton and uh, Jeff Bishop and. Deb Lewis and and uh, Carla Rushevel and a whole bunch of people that are uh, uh, right now we are working to um, do some things that we haven't done in a while on, on ACB Radio. Uh, now and, we're doing a refresh. Yeah, we're doing a refresh. We're doing uh, it's 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 really cool. I mean, we're all we're all uh, pulling in the same direction, trying to do uh, cool things. So. Um, so appreciate everybody back back in uh, back in Radio Land that are helping us to make sure we're on the air tonight. Appreciate that. And uh, here we are. There we are. We're, and this is a great space for this. Uh, I was rather impressed that they were able to get the audio to sound like we weren't in a giant two-story marble monolith. You know. It really is coming off really nice in that regard. Uh, they, they're videoing all of this. Uh, I'm used to going to places where they show a video or two, right. but here they're videoing it in, in its entirety to be used by NVP uh, between galas as a promotional well, material. And, and hopefully this will be inspiration for another organization we know called the American Council of the Blind. See, I segued this for you. Where... ACB, wouldn't it be cool if ACB were to video its entire convention? There's really no reason why not, and and so much of what goes on in general sessions at ACB could be used uh, for any number of, of, of things later on. You know, we do a lot of things on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is pretty active, so so you know, it, 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 that's an interesting notion. You know how we broadcast live on ACB Radio? Yep. I mean, we could broadcast live on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely, we could. Um, we could do the video live on YouTube now. Uh, I'm not sure I want to go there though, because <laughs> some people are going to say, "What does that do to AZB Radio?" But uh, and I'm sure you can't do that without spending some money. Uh, well, therein lies the the wrinkle, doesn't it? <laughs> Every great idea has a great price tag to it. But 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 I will tell you, uh, my latest campaign here is is audio description and. To do audio description, audio description is usually associated with what? Video. Right? That's right. And uh, so it seems to me that ACB being a leader in the area of audio description, it would make a lot of sense for ACB to, at its convention, feature a lot of videos that are audio described. Maybe a clip from National Braille Press's Gala. It could very well be, yeah. You know, they, and, and we've, we've had stuff from Microsoft in the past that's audio described and Apple and and uh, Comcast. You know what I've noticed recently, um, and, and, and I'd love to do this at our convention, is throw up all the advertisements on TV these days that are audio described. That would make an interesting montage, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you think? <laughs> one that's my favorite. Have you heard the Charmin ones, the bears? Yes. <laughs> why is it why is it toilet paper commercials need audio description? Okay? He says something like Why exactly? The describer says something like he's wiggling his hiney. <laughs> his hiney, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, we have these... Uh, it, it's an accurate description, you know. Oh, yeah, but, you absolutely. Know, well, you think of that uh, the, in the Disney 
thing, Bare Necessities. Uh-huh. I've heard the audio description of that. And he does a lot of shaking of his hiney, too. So, really? But, they, so, they say hiney? Do they oh, really? well, no, I don't think they say hiney. I think they use... Rick, you got a, you got one of my sore topics here. What's okay, that? Which What's is, that? I've got a chapter in the Audio Describer's Handbook, published by WGBH, dedicated to me. Do you which really? is all about audio description being appropriate for the sexual content being described. <laughs> and they have a subsection... <laughs> On all the words that could represent one's backside. And they dedicated this to you. Because I kept complaining that the Blue Bloods who were writing the descriptions at WGBH were using anatomically correct terms, but terms that didn't quite fit in Miss Saigon and (laughs) Ghost and a Pretty Woman. Just to name three titles, for example. So, nonetheless. <laughs> oh, or, you know, not to mention the best little whorehouse in Texas. Yeah, there's another. See, yeah. see there's a lot of times there, there are more appropriate words than those one will find in a medical dictionary. So, anyway, nonetheless. So, 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 nonetheless. so, so what are some of the vocabulary that you espouse in that, in that, uh, in that manual? Or that manual dedicated to there, you? Uh, in Pretty Woman, there's a scene where he's driving off in his uh, lawyer's car and stripping gears left and right, and he's just picked up uh, the streetwalker, and um, she reaches over. <laughs> the streetwalker. Now, you're talking about trying to find, you know, words that oh, okay. you kind of... Fit. Hooker? Yeah, that, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, whatever. Streetwalker street sounds a little bit too... Uh, too too politically correct? <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't say sex worker. <laughs> I could have done that. Well, here Hold we on. go, here we here go we guys. Go. I think we're starting. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to A Million Laughs for Literacy. Please give a warm welcome to our mistress of ceremonies for the evening, Susan Warnick. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We need to talk to our pals in audio. Can you hear me now? All right, great. You know, it's unbelievable. Nobody's ever accused me of being soft-spoken. I'm thrilled to be here tonight. What a wonderful crowd, what a wonderful organization. A million laughs for literacy, and tonight we are going to raise a million dollars. Don't you think? I think that's a good goal. Thank you so much for being so warm and inviting to me. You know, I, I retired from Channel 5 a few years ago, and here's what happens when you're not on television every day. People look at you, And they think you look vaguely familiar, but they can't quite place you. Just the other day, I was at Logan Airport. A woman came up to me, stood this close to me, and went, what's your name? And I said, Susan Warnick. And she said, no, you're the other one. 
So that's kind of what's been happening lately. This is the most amazing venue, don't you think? The Museum of Science, huh? How lucky are we to be here? This is great. Um, I, another funny thing happened on my way, tonight on my way here, I stopped for gas, I came down Route 1 to get here and I stopped for gas and I'm standing there at the self-service, you know, pumping the gas and I see that there's a guy in the next island and, and he's looking at me. So I smiled, because when you're single, you smile. And he said, he looked at me and he said, didn't you used to be Susan Warnick? And I said, yes, and now I'm working here. <laughs> no, he said, really, so what are you doing here? And I said, I'm on my way to the Museum of Science. And he said, oh, so that's where you're working now? And I said, yeah, anyway. This is just an amazing night for so many good reasons, and it's wonderful to see so many of you here. And you know what else? So many new faces. We've been doing this event for many years now. And show of hands, how many of you are here for the first time tonight? Look at that. Isn't that great? That's great. Well, you're going to have a ball. And we're all here, as you know, for an unbelievable cause. The National Braille Press does amazing work getting books into the hands of kids who need them the most. I want to tell you a little bit about NBP. As a world leader in Braille production, National Braille Press has worked to increase access to the world of STEM education to blind children through early access to Braille, tactile graphics, and picture descriptions. This work continues to bridge the gap between blind children and their sighted peers. Tonight, we folks are all going to be a part of that bridge because we are going to help get those books to those children. We are all going to get to help NBP continue to bring accessible educational materials to the blind. Our support tonight of NBP either through the silent auction, a little later we're going to have a fabulous live auction, or also the Fund a Book program will help get more Braille books into the hands of the blind and visually impaired children who are waiting for them. So this is such a great cause. We're all going to work together tonight and we are going to make it happen. I mean, if you think about your own personal experience going to school, you had a favorite subject, right? You had something you were interested in. You had something that intrigued you. You had something that you just were excited about. And to learn more about whatever that subject was, you read, right? Yeah, and you found out as much as you could, and you did as much as you could. Well, that's what we're doing tonight. Imagine if you couldn't read if you couldn't get that information, we tonight are helping the kids who need it the most get that information. And we are going to work together as a community to make it happen, each of us individually and as a crowd tonight. And this, you're going to leave here tonight saying, wow, I'm really glad I came out in the rain. I'm really glad I fought the traffic. Who, who came from outside the city? Show of hands. Oh, wow, so just about everybody. And it probably took you an average of 3.5 hours, right? Boston traffic is just getting better and better. Well, tonight we are going to make sure that blind and visually impaired children can fully enjoy all the subjects they love. During tonight's program, we will learn even more about accessible STEM education. 
We'll also celebrate some amazing people and organizations who have been champions of Braille literacy, and we'll get the chance, as I mentioned, to be champions ourselves. So I know you're all with me to help make a difference tonight, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we've got a great dinner coming up, but first we want to thank so many of our loyal friends and supporters who help NBP continue to produce Braille children's books, texts, technology guides, cookbooks, and tactile graphics every year. And of course, the special night of celebration would not be possible without the event co-chairs. I hope you all know them. Let's give them a huge thank you right now. Tom Sullivan of Cabinets to Go and Ted and Kathy Druscott of Columbia Threadneedle Investments. And this is not their first time, folks. They come back year after year after year. Thank you so much. And some other people that we want to thank publicly. Please join me in giving our dedicated friends and supporters the credit that they deserve. The NBP's Board of Trustees for volunteering their time and talents as passionate advocates for NBP's mission to improve the lives of blind and visually impaired kids and adults. Thank you to the board for their leadership. Stan, could all of the board members who are here tonight, the board of trustees, if you're here in the room, please stand so that we can thank you for your volunteer efforts. This evening would not be possible without you. Nor, of course, would it be possible without our incredible sponsors. So we're going to have a list of the sponsors, and I'm going to read them. Cabinets to Go, Chateau Gabby, Columbia Threadneedle Investments, and Gracious Home. Giving Grousebeck Fazilari and Tufts Health Plan. Ameriflex, John Hancock, People's United Bank, Danny and Lori Hurst. Discovery, O'Neill Associates, Putnam Investments, Sherry and Rodney Hutcherson, SFV Services, Mark and Nancy Sadecki, NBA Cares, PepsiCo Company, Williams Mullen, and Bill Rader. Let's thank them so much for all that they've done, do, continue to do, all they give. And then, of course, in your program book, please check for the rest of our wonderful sponsors. They're all listed. Also, a huge thank you to donors and organizations that you see on the screen, also in the program book, for contributing in-kind donations to our silent and live auctions. We couldn't provide the Braille materials and resources to children and families without the generous support of such a caring community. And of course, all of you tonight just for showing up, just for coming. Next thing is I'd like to draw your attention to the fabulous centerpieces made by C2M Designs, along with the amazing tactile graphics that you found at your seats coming in. These graphics were designed by the Princeton Braillists all of the images for these designs were lovingly handmade in aluminum molds over a number of years and are a great example of how important tactile graphics are to education for the blind. And NBP was honored to be gifted the collection by the Princeton Braillists in 2016 and we're excited to announce that these are the first SEM, STEM tactile NBP has produced from that collection 
which we were honored to receive. So please take a moment to notice those. And then additionally, as our gift to you tonight, on your way out, please pick up your copy of Louis Braille, A Touch of Genius. It's at the checkout table at the end of the evening, so please make sure that you get that as well. We are also excited to share the National Braille Press has once again been invited to be a part of the, Jan Han uh, the John Hancock Nonprofit Boston Marathon Program for next year. And we have a number of past marathon runners in the room with us tonight, as well as past blindfold challenge participants. Bill Barabino, Christine Booth, Chris Cavallino, Aaron Connors, Tara and Joe Gearhart, Richard Gilraith, Vanessa Jones, Kara Peters, and Marissa Sullivan. You're all here, where are you? Please stand so that we can thank you for your commitment. these people collectively and their teams have raised more than $200,000 over the past seven years to support Braille literacy. Now, if running a marathon is on your bucket list, or you'd like to know what it's like to run a 5K blindfolded, please check your programs for more information on how to become a part of that fundraising effort and become a member of one of the teams. And finally, a big hello to everyone listening in from all over the country. Right, for a fifth year in a row, NBP is partnering with the American Council for the Blind Radio to audio stream this event. So we are gonna give a big collective hello to the community listening. On the count of three, I'd like you all to yell at your best voice, Hello, ACB radio listeners. You got that? Hello, ACB radio listeners. On the count of three. One, two, three. Hello, ACB radio listeners. And they're all yelling hello back. I can hear them from all over the country. Do you hear them? Of course you do. Okay, and also one other thing this year. Again, we're holding what we're calling a green line drawing for part of the silent auction. So hopefully many of you are bidding on silent auction items and you notice the green line. What this is, is an opportunity for you to win a great dinner to one of the best restaurants in Boston, Myers and Chang. If in fact you place your bid on the green line, you are entered into a drawing for that great dinner. So throughout dinner, make sure that you go up and, and make, and, Make sure that you're the, the last and the final and the highest bid because we will announce times when the silent auction is going to close. You want to make sure you don't miss out. So the next thing on the agenda is dinner. We have before dinner almost a record 350 people in the room tonight. And I thought, yeah, give it up, 350 people, that's great. So now, just before dinner, wouldn't it be a great idea to go around the room and ask you each to stand, say a little something about yourselves? No? Enjoy dinner, everybody, and we'll see you afterwards. Hey, Joe, it's good to have you on this afternoon and into the evening. 
this is Brian Charlson with the American Council of the Blind ACB Radio. And with me here is Joe Quintanilla. Joe Q works most of the time. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, it's great to be back with you guys at ACB Radio and having you be a part of our Million Last for Literacy Gala. I think this is our fifth year doing it with you guys. And um, we're very excited about tonight. It's uh, celebrating access to the sciences, uh, STEM particularly with uh, tactile graphics and Braille. And uh, it's going to be a really great evening uh, with programming. And uh, we're happy to be able to broadcast this uh, with our partnership with ACB Radio uh, to all of our Braille reading supporters uh, out in, uh, across the country. Across the country, indeed. So one of the things that I understand is that um, you're taking full advantage that NBP was gifted the collection of graphic plates from the Princeton transcribers. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the Princeton Brailleists. Uh, they, um, they've done wonderful work. I, I personally have a, a map of the 48 states of the U.S. Uh, I know there's 50, but I mean the lower 48 and this one-page map. And I have a lot of fun playing with it um, and giving me a better sense of uh, geographically where, you know, where the Southwest is or where, where is Oklahoma in relation to the rest of the country. So their collection is uh, phenomenal. I've, I've come across a lot of Braille readers who, when they travel, had called the Princeton Brailleists and got a map of Italy, got a map of Israel, um, so they can get uh, a perspective of where they're going to be traveling to and where it lies in the world. And uh, National Press has been extremely uh, honored to carry on that wonderful work, and we're going to have some of that work on display, uh, specifically around tactile graphics. I mentioned that uh, we're at the Museum of Science here in Boston, so we want to be able to convey the importance of blind people having access to science, particularly children. And one of the ways that they're able to have access to uh, learning sciences is the tactile graphics and the works that uh, Princeton Brailleists have done and that we have done, and now we're combining our skills with their legacy. Uh, so at each table, uh, the table setting will have a tactile graphic of a dinosaur. Uh, we're in the blue wing of the Museum of Science where the T-Rex exhibit is. And then at every seat, there'll be a different tactile graphic from uh, bar charts to skulls of animals to uh, organisms uh, to, you know, all kinds of different uh, things that you would be learning or might recall learning in science, but in a two-dimensional uh, tactile. That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, so NBP, while it's National Braille Press, is also very interested in literacy of a tactile nature, tactile literacy, both in terms of what you produce for uh, science testing and those kinds of things, but also making available to people uh, copies of these graphics that you've acquired as well as produced over the years. That's pretty amazing. Now, you uh, started out this conversation talking a bit about uh, National Braille Press being a national organization, and your uh, current title is Director of Development? It, yeah, it, my, my title is uh, Vice President of Development and Major Gifts. 
So, do you do some traveling in that capacity? I do. Since 2013, we've been doing a series of luncheons across the country. Um, because Braille Matters, it's an offshoot of our Read Books program, Because Braille Matters program, and we've been able to get out and meet our Braille readers and people that work in the field or people who support our mission. And uh, ACB uh, has been a great partner, uh, as well as NFB. Uh, earlier this year, we were in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, ACB of Ohio hosted us. We have a new trustee on our board, Jill Noble. Uh, from ACB who made that happen. Um, you know, we, we were in St. Louis at ACB uh, last year in 2018. Um, so we've been to about 10 to 12 different cities in the last four or five years, reaching out to our Braille readers, getting their feedback. Uh, and then I also get to uh, reach out to some of our uh, supporters, uh, major donors, uh, and uh, get to know them a little bit better and um, show them some of our material and work and work with them and helping us uh, support our, our work and some of the new titles that we have coming up or new um, projects that we're doing. So, you know, part of my work is uh, making sure people understand how important their donations are to our mission but also for them to understand how we're using their donations and the results of their donations. Uh, for years uh, and decades, we have been providing Braille material to people in the UK and in, in Canada and um, Australia and then expanded to other countries some of the books that we publish. Uh, but with the Braille Me, uh, working with a company in India, InnoVision, and uh, you know, it was particularly with the Touch of Genius Prize, it's spawned innovative ideas and methodologies from people around the world that want to help advance Braille, whether it's through technology or curriculum. Uh, it's been really helpful in that way, and uh, we're very thankful for the Gibney Family Foundation to support that endeavor. Um, and that's you know one ways where our name has become worldwide recognized as some uh, as an organization that produces uh, you know the best Braille material out there, but also that we're looking to advance Braille literacy through technology, and uh, that's something that's been pretty important for us. Uh, I'd say over the last ten years, uh, the people. I think have the misperception that because of technology, you don't really need Braille anymore. Things talk to you, you talk to them, why do you need Braille? And uh, I think we have the perspective is that instead of Braille doing being done away with because of technology, instead we should think about it in the way that technology will enhance Braille usage. So with the BrailleMe, you can now download your you know, electronic Braille files and, and you don't necessarily need to have uh, thousands of volumes of Braille books in your library. You can have it in your device like the BrailleMe or B2G or use it as a reader, uh, but you still should have access to thousands of books in Braille, uh, but just in a different way. So when you get involved in putting on an event like tonight's event, what kind of uh, if you will, hair on fire activities are involved. Here we're sitting <laughs> at the feet of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. We've got uh, Braille uh, graphics, if you will, raised line graphics at every place setting. We've got the meal coming in a variety of different ways. We have yeah. programming down to the 30-second increment. Um, what do you find to be the most challenging part of your role in all of this? 
There are definitely a lot of challenges, and and at the same time, when you uh, meet those challenges, it's very rewarding. So the fundraising is a big, you know, a big challenge. Um, it, this is our biggest fundraiser of the year. Um, you know, the success we have with the fundraising of this event helps. Uh, you know, all of the work that we do: turn the lights on, get books produced. Uh, then the next thing is the logistics. You know, we want to make sure that anyone that comes into the event, uh, blind or sighted, have the best possible experience they can have. Uh, I could tell, you know, I, I tell my team that any uh, negative experience that someone has is a distraction from the way we convey our mission, and it may be a distraction from people wanting to contribute uh, and contribute generously at the event. But I have a very good uh, team. Uh, Anna Kazmarek uh, and Chris Milmore and, and Valerie Cribbins uh, do the, all the hard work today. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm certainly involved uh, with the planning and, and mapping out what the evening's going to look like, but all the logistics are managed by them and they do a great job. We have 50 volunteers helping execute everything from registration, sign auction, collecting donations at the live auction fund to book. We've had great support from board members. Um, collecting and donating items for the silent auction. I am uh, understand uh, through a little bird, probably a pterodactyl, <laughs> that uh, the dinosaur that is kind of the mascot of this event was named after you. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Uh, so when we were meeting uh, and we had determined we're going to be at the Museum of Science, we're trying to come up with a theme. Our graphic designer, who's a, a member of our corporation, Judy Krimsky, uh, who's been doing work for NBP and actually did some of the design work for the Touch of Genius uh, Louis Braille biography, was asking me about you know as a blind person how what did I visualize or how did I understand a dinosaur and I said you know when my vision was a little bit better because I have retinitis pigmentosa the only dinosaur I could really remember that I could see clearly was Dino from the Flintstones And, uh, you know, sort of in her uh, way of, and the great graphic designer she is, she, she made our logo sort of a T-Rex and kind of looks like Dino from the Flintstones. So she decided to call it Dino Joe. Dino <laughs> Joe. Hey, well, you know, you could be have your name used in a lot of ways that wouldn't be so positive. Right. So <laughs> let's go for the positive when we can. When everybody gathers together for this kind of an event, everybody is concerned about the cost of putting on such event versus the money raised. How's NBP doing relative to that relationship? We've always done a pretty good job of um, managing our, our expenses and also uh, getting good uh, support. So we had two terrific co-chairs this year. Tom Sullivan, who's been in his 13th year co-chairing this event, and uh, Ted and Kathy Trescott, 
um, from Columbia Thread Needle Investments, Tom Sullivan from Cabinets to Go, and uh, they kind of set the t- the tone for our fundraising. And we've got great board members and committee members who go out and reach out to their network and uh, try to secure sponsorships, uh, donate themselves, and and then we we've got the people we reach out to within our uh, connections and past supporters. So, you know, generally in fundraising, if you spend 50 cents uh, for an event, uh, you hope that you'll make a dollar. And uh, that's kind of the benchmark, and, and you hope you don't go beyond that. So that that's when you've done well. And NBP has done pretty well uh, year in and year out. Uh, last year was a, a banner year in a lot of ways. We, we raised... Uh, Four hundred fifty thousand dollars and spent about one fifty. Um, you know, we hope to be able to have about a two hundred and two hundred twenty thousand dollar net this year. That's what it's looking like. So uh, that's that's something that we're proud of. Um, we'll raise close to. Um, you know, this event's probably raised um, you know over ten million dollars in that time that's it's been done. So it's been uh, a significant fundraiser. Like I said, it's the biggest fundraiser for us, uh, but also it's a way to cap uh, capture new people. Um, you know, if someone buys a table, maybe two or three people have been familiar with our work, but their guests have not been familiar with our work, and it's an opportunity for them to learn about why Braille is important and to be motivated to help out and say, yes, I want blind children and adults to have access to Braille. I want them to be able to read just like my kids. So it's also important from that perspective that it's a way for us to showcase our mission to a captive audience for two hours and to convey uh, why they should be involved. And for those who have been involved, you know, we want them to walk away saying, you know, pump their fist and say, this is great. This is why I'm involved. Um, so it's all these different factors that we want. You know, we want good feelings. We want good donations. Uh, we want people to be excited, motivated, and then you know we're hopefully to carry it through uh, for other ways that people can get involved. Because those who are listening to this brief interview uh, aren't here tonight, what can you tell them? How can they uh, help NBP from afar? So specifically for this event, even though you're not able to attend, uh, you can go to our website, nbp.org, and uh, go to our gala page and make a donation of any amount that you'd like. But beyond the event this year, um, we have a way that you can donate monthly to Nashville Press, and we have the Literacy Champion uh, Club and that's someone who commits to donating uh, monthly. We did a campaign uh, a couple weeks ago online. It was International Literacy Day. Uh, we were asking people to donate $10 a month. Um, so we, we got 22 new Braille, uh, 22 new literacy champions. Um, people can uh, donate uh, during the end of the year. Uh, specific, you can select a program that you'd like to support. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, we had a, a, a woman uh, who turned 70, um, Catherine Schneider. I believe she's an AC beer. Mm-hmm. She is. And uh, she said, you know, for my 70th birthday, I'd like to do something really special. I love poetry. I feel like blind people need to have more access to poems and poetry books. Uh, so we worked out uh, where, you know, her donation helped. Uh, uh, fund a production of a hundred poems to lift your spirits by uh, Pakal, and uh, that's something that 
we then did a poetry contest, uh, which we'll be doing again, um, probably starting in November, where we're asking people to submit poems, and everyone who submitted a poem uh, got a free copy of the book in Braille. Uh, so, you know, these are ways that if you have any interest or ideas, you know, we'll and would like to make a donation we'll see if it fits with what we're doing and the kinds of things that we know that the marketplace has an interest for um so there's you know unique experiences like that where someone said you know as a blind person i know that this is an area where we could do some uh collaboration and, and blind people would have access to something um so those are the ways we, we have, uh, you know, road races that you can participate and go out and raise money that way. We've got a couple of people running the Boston Marathon on our behalf in 2020. Uh, we're part of the John Hancock Nonprofit Marathon Program. Uh, we're looking at maybe doing something at uh, in San Francisco with uh, Beta Breakers and uh, our trustee, Lisa Maria Martinez, out there. So there are many ways that people can support um, asking their friends and family to support and um, you know giving Tuesdays coming up December 3rd so if there's anyone who'd be interested in sending out an email to their community and say this is one of my favorite organizations it's giving Tuesday please consider supporting them because Braille has been important to me you know that's something we could uh, certainly use some help on and what I, I like to think about fundraising is that when you ask people to donate, you're not just asking them to you know, write a check or make a credit card donation. You're asking them to believe in what you believe in. And we all believe that a you know, blind person should have access to Braille. Uh, a lot of the money that we raise offsets the cost of Braille production, which we know is extremely expensive. It's about three times more than it would cost to produce something in print. And um, the money we raise uh, helps cover that difference. And, uh, you know, we truly believe that a blind person should not have to pay more for the same information that's available in print. So not only when you ask people to support a fundraising effort that you might be doing or to support an organization that you care about, you're not just asking them to make a financial gift, but you're asking them to make a difference. You're asking them to believe in the same thing you believe in so there's a, a, a significant level of advocacy in that ask and and that's why i really love fundraising in you know the 19 years i've been doing it and is that we're not asking people to uh to just hand over their wallet we're asking them to be a part of something be a part of something special we're asking them to really make a difference and in a lot of ways you know move the needle to use that phrase in our mission. Well, as it turns out, um, whenever you have an annual event, there's a certain portion of those who are repeat customers, so to speak. What would you say the ratio is at an NBP gala? It's about 35 to 45 percent that um, we've got re repeats. Certainly, the you know the the people that are hosting the tables. Uh, our repeats and they they tend to bring uh you know f maybe f you know six new guests uh, or there's some uh consistency amongst those people but there that's where sort of more of the turnover is is uh some of the makeup of the the sponsors guest list let's say but it, it's about 40 to 45 percent i'd say is a uh sort of the repeat customer and what we hear consistently is that uh, a lot of these people get to go to a lot of these different events that our event is uh, different it's fun again i can't stress the uh, the comedian component adds the fun to it but also people walk away inspired and i think 
When you hear Hina uh, gibbers uh, later today, uh, whether you're here in the room or listening at home, you're going to be motivated by this little girl and pumped to know that Braille is a a part of her life and that it's been a huge credit to her success uh, at this level and that she's going to go places. And uh, the donations that anyone makes, uh, you know, are helping us help kids like Hannah. Over the years, it's been my pleasure to be associated with National Braille Press uh, as a, a, what do they call them, a corporator? Um, A person who gets to go to the annual meetings and elect people to be on the board and, and that kind of thing. But most importantly, to continue to showcase the importance of Braille literacy for everybody. One of my fondest memories is coming to NBP and going down into the basement here and uh, with my wizard costume on, watch children open up the latest Harry Potter book at the same moment that sighted people had access to that material. It does matter, the, the nature of the setting, and I think it also matters that so many employees here at the National Burial Press are themselves blind or visually impaired, like yourself. You have people who are blind in virtually every aspect of the business, don't you not? We do, and, and you know, to talk about that, um, that Louis Bra- uh, the uh, Harry Potter thing 12 years ago, I think, uh, for sure, one of those kids is now an employee of us, of ours. And uh, Brian, it's scary to us, right? The, the, <laughs> the kids we knew uh, 10 years ago are now adults and are, are working with us. <laughs> yes, I remember Precious yep. was there, and Daisy, who you're referring to, I think. Yep, and Lena as well. And Lena, yep. yeah. So Lena and Daisy are work in our proofreading department, and they're really essential uh, to the products that we produce. Uh, as I like to say, if there's an error in the Braille, it's because there's an error in print, and we're just replicating it. But uh, our proofreading and transcription department do exceptional work. They're the really first line of defense to make sure that everything that we put into Braille is correct, is accurate, is formatted correctly. Uh, and that's, that's significant. That's one of the reasons we stand out amongst Braille production houses. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we care about accessibility um, and the people that... Uh, make sure that we're putting out the best material uh, you know is at every level but it starts with our proofreaders and transcribers we have uh, folks uh, who are blind uh, in our collating department who are assembling these books so uh, every department um, whether they're blind or sighted you know the, the care we take in our work and the output of the books we produce uh, is uh, you know, second to none Hey, Joe, thanks for for being here for this interview, and we're going to let you go, and uh, we're going to go back to listen to some of the program this evening. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Rick.
Hello, we have another guest with us here during National Braille Press's annual fundraising gala. And she's all about editing and programs. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Cassell Wilson. I'm the editor and programs manager at National Braille Press. And how long have you been with the press? Oh, I think it's been three or four years now. So you've been with the press for three years, and during those three years, what has been your impression of the press as compared to working for anybody else? Well, that's a great question. The press is very unique. Uh, we are doing work that we all greatly enjoy. We very much feel like a family. We operate as a team, a small team. We just really get along. We really enjoy each other's company. We uh, go to each other for ideas and feedback, so it's a very collaborative environment. We're deeply involved in the community that we make products for, and so we're laser-focused on putting out products for which there is a strong need and a strong demand, and we're all focused on that. Excellent. So. Again, you have these two parts of your life, the editing part and the programs part. And I'm going to focus on the editing part to begin with. So you're involved with selecting titles? Yeah, so I, I developed the pub plan, the publishing plan. So we have different seasons, and then we publish books in these different seasons. And I developed the plan to slot specific titles in for, for the different seasons. So some of these books are books that are already published by other publishers that we choose to make Braille versions of, like let's say, for instance, Harry Potter, or a Dr. Seuss book, or some of our well-known print braille children's books. And then the other types of books we do, which tend to be like our technology books, those are actually original commissioned works. Those are works where we either have an idea for a topic that we want to cover, or someone else approaches us with an idea, and we're actually commissioning an author to write an original work. So, for instance, our technology books, they're all written by blind authors who are experts at technology, and they're written for us. So, all of the books I've purchased and read that Judy Dixon wrote, for example, were those ones you came to her with the subject or where she came to you with the subject? Uh, it's, it's, with Judy and I, it's a very collaborative process. We'll toss around a lot of different ideas and then narrow it down to ones that we think will be the most interesting. And, and Judy's a, a, such an amazing writer and such a great person to work with. For her, it's really important to write a book about topics that she's personally interested in and, and that she will learn a lot by uh, researching the topic in, in the course of writing the book. Uh, so I work very collaboratively with her, um, and and that's that's very much there. That's very much typical with our authors. Although often I'll have an idea, something I want to execute, and I have to find the right author for that book. So often it's me seeking an author. Can you give us an example of a couple of titles that fit that description? Well, we just did this really, really interesting book called Dating in the Digital Age. We did that with Kim Loftus of Mystic Access. It's a book that I had wanted to do for a long time, and 
I, it was just a matter of finding the right author. And then I worked with Kim Loftus and Lisa Salinger and Chris Grabowski on a Google Suite book. And it was in the course of working on that book that I realized Kim is probably the perfect person to write this dating book. So I went to her, I, I pitched the book to her, I told her sort of what my vision was and, and what it would cover, and she loved the idea, and, and that's how that book came to be. But but sometimes it's, it's the exact opposite. It's someone coming to me saying, here's a book I'd like to write. Does that fit with your publishing plan? And if it does, then we move ahead with it. Excellent, excellent. So... When it comes to setting parameters for what the press can do, I assume that there's a limited capacity, not just financial, but just hours in the day to do these kinds of things. So how do you determine what is the appropriate length uh, and how many projects you can take on in a season? Well, that's a great question. I work very collaboratively with my boss, Tony Grimma, who many of you know. And we, as we sketch out a publishing season. We start by the distribution of categories that we want to publish in. As a nonprofit, we can't publish every book we want to publish, but we know, for instance, our goal is to put out eight new technology books a year at a minimum. So using using product categories and the rough numbers that we want to have for each category, we sketch out the season and then we start slotting in specific titles. Very good. So we have just, what are we about to do, enter a season or we just left a season? Uh, Can you give (laughs) us some idea what's hot out there right now, so to speak? You mean hot titles? Yeah, well, titles. You mentioned the dating title, right? Yeah. That is under production right now. Actually, that book is available. That came out in April. Uh, It's called Dating in the Digital Age, An Accessible Journey for Finding Love Online. I I highly recommend the book. The book is really interesting because one of the things we're trying to do is we have our straight technology books, books that are about an operating system or about an aspect of an operating system, but we want to also have technology books that represent the intersection between technology and, and our everyday lives. And so a book like Dating in the Digital Age does that. It's a book that not only talks about specific dating websites and how to navigate through them accessibly and, and you know, button by button, so on and so forth, but it also has the bigger human interest aspect about how to put yourself out there, how to create a compelling profile. Uh, if, if you're blind or low vision, when do you share that information? How do you share that information? Pitfalls uh, in the world of online dating. So things that are human interest that relate to, uh, to, to anyone, whether you're blind or sighted. So that's a really interesting book because even if you're not personally interested in online dating, it still has a lot of really useful information just about dating in general. So that's uh, one book. Another really popular book we had last year was a David Kingsbury book. He is an instructor at the Carroll Center. 
He wrote a book called Format Your Word Documents with JAWS and NVDA, and that's a guide for students and professionals. That was a very, very popular technology book. And that's a book that is both a technology book and what we would call a job skills book. So all of us, blind or sighted, need to keep up with our technology skills in the workplace in order to uh, excel at our careers and continue in our careers. So we want technology books that also uh, cover technology topics that people are going to use day in, day out in the workplace. And that formatting, Format Your Word Documents book is a good example of it. How much time do you give an author between uh, assigning them or agreeing to have them do something and then actually having to produce it? Well, it really depends on how many volumes the book is going to be. Um, many authors require several months to create the rough draft. That's really the hardest part of writing a book, uh, is getting that rough draft accomplished. And it can take several months. We do try to put out books that are one or two volumes. We try not to exceed that. That's a change that we've implemented since I've come on board. Uh, Want to just have more shorter, concise titles, one or two volumes. Uh, and it can take several months to write that. And then there's the whole process of me editing it, returning the manuscript to the author to review my edits, and then finalizing the manuscript before we put it into production. So, so all told, for instance, um, we're always working uh, on on a current season and upcoming seasons. So while people are are purchasing books that we've just put out, I'm already working on books that will come out next year. When we spoke with both Brian and Joe earlier, we were talking about graphics and uh, graphic literacy and the like. And I wonder how does the placement of graphics or choosing of titles and how dependent they're on a, in on a graphic plays a part in the work that you do? Well, so we always try to put out several titles a year that incorporate tactile graphics. So if you just look at some of our more recent, uh, some of our more recent publications, we brought back a really beloved title, uh, which which is Humpty Dumpty and other nurse uh, other nursery rhymes book that is filled with these amazing tactile graphics that illustrate, you know, like Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall and things like that. So and and we we're also bringing back another really beloved title called Touch the Stars. It'll be the fifth edition of that title um, that has different uh, astronomical uh, features and phenomena that are illustrated with tactile graphics. So we we always try to come out with with both your traditional braille products as well as products that incorporate tactile graphics, although that's something that we will be actively expanding. More and more titles that not only contain tactile graphics, but we have some really interesting products planned that will also address tactile graphic literacy. How to, how to actually tactually interpret tactile graphics, because that's an area 
of great importance. If you're a, a young person today and you're going to go take any sort of standardized test, you're going to encounter tactile graphics, but you may not have had a lot of exposure to interpreting those during the course of your education. So we will continue to make products with these graphics as well as products that will help people at an early age start get literacy in terms of interpreting these these graphics. I, I've worked in a lot of places like like many people, but there is something about MVP that is very special. We, we like each other. We actually all like each other. We get along and we really like each other and we like working with each other. Uh, so there's a lot of collaboration and um, it's, it's really a, a very, very special place. So I understand a couple of little side lights here. One is that you are now working from home for a big part of your time. And uh, as a result, you're living in a little piece of paradise up north of us, are you not? <laughs> That's true. I was born and raised in Maine, and I worked on site in the Boston location for the, my first few years there. I had made a decision based on my family circumstances to, to move back to Maine, and I was blessed that I was able to, to continue working with MVP. That was my goal, uh, and my intention is to spend the rest of my career here uh, with NBP. But it is quite a blessing to be able to do that from my home in Maine. Now, the great thing is, is Boston's just a hop and a skip away. So, for instance, we're having the gala tomorrow uh, on Thursday, and I'll be in town for that. And I can come in town often. I can come in just for a cup of coffee if someone wants to meet with me. So. So best of both worlds. It, it does sound that way. And again, that's part of that attitude when you can do it and accommodate the needs of uh, individual staff members uh, for things like flex hours and the like as long as it doesn't negatively impact the work. And clearly, with editing being such an important part of your work, that's kind of a solitary activity uh, from time to time. Uh, could you, as we wrap this up, please give our listeners an idea of what's coming up uh, you have a number of things without giving away, you know, too many mm -hmm. company secrets. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, of course, we always continue with our quotes book. So we just put out our volume two for Wednesday morning quotes. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we have kind of a cool product. We, some people are aware that we have a program called Great Expectations, and this is a program that brings picture books to life for young blind children. And so you can purchase the book, and then every book has nine free online activities associated with the themes of the book, and those are all created for blind children by a committee, uh, an amazing committee of people that are, 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 you know, TVIs and friends of MVP. So we've actually created a book that takes one of these free online activities for each of the eight Great Expectations books and puts them together in one in a one-volume book just to give people an idea of, hey, look, there's all this amazing free online content. Here's, here's, here's examples. Here's one from each, from each book. And if you go online, you can get uh, many, many, many more. So that's a new product to promote that Great Expectations program. Uh, we also, of course, have our Peanuts calendar coming out, and people always get excited about that. And we have a limited number, and they sell out pretty quickly. 
then we'll have our holiday cards that we do every year. Um, but in terms of technology books, we have a really great new Judy Dixon book coming out. It's called 31 Cool Things You Can Do With Your iPhone. And this is just a really fun book. This is about the things that your iPhone can do that you m might not even know anything about. So, for instance, you can use it as a level. You can use it as a metal detector. There's just all these really cool things you can do with your iPhone, and she just goes through them, and some of them are fun, some of them are practical, and some of them are just silly. So it's really just a really interesting book about, about the iPhone. We also have a really great book coming out, another Mystic Access book, Kim Loftus and Chris Grabowski. It's all all about grocery and food delivery apps and websites. So all the different ways that you can have food delivered to your door. Um, then we are going to have sometime in December a Deborah Kendrick book all about navigating healthcare uh, as a blind individual, how to navigate that system, how to advocate yourself in different medical settings, and that's a, a really wonderful book. I'm actually editing that manuscript as we speak, and it's fantastic. Of course, we'll have our Valentine's Day card that we always do. Then Anna Dresner is currently writing a What's New in iOS 13 book. Usually she's known for her Getting Started book, which is very comprehensive. This one is just going to focus on what's new in iOS 13. iOS 13 is a fairly robust update, so she'll walk the reader through that. Um, gosh, so so many things. We're going to, for the for the first time... Um, I think ever, maybe we did it once, we're going to put out two popular school plays, so the scripts for those plays will be available. Um, Can you we, tell me the titles of those sure. plays? Sure, yeah. We're going to do Our Town, and we're going to do The Crucible. And the way we chose these is every year there's a list published of the most popular plays that are performed in schools around the country. Uh, the top ten of all schools across the entire country. And from that list of the top ten, we chose those two. So we're trying to pick ones that a student is most likely to find as a production their school might produce. And now if it is, or even if it isn't, they just want to have the script, uh, they'll be able to get that in Braille uh, for themselves and, and for their school. So that's something new. Again, just trying to think outside the box and make things available that maybe in the past weren't available. And that that those two would be definitely evergreen titles, ones Absolutely. ones that will stand the test of time. Well, yes. this has been a fascinating conversation. We all appreciate the extra effort that NBP as an organization and therefore each of its individual uh, employees and volunteers put into making sure that NBP is known for not just the price, but also the quality of the material, both in its selection and in its production. I want to thank well, you for being here with us. And uh, is there anything you'd like to share just before we sign off? 
Well, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's great to have an opportunity to talk to you. And I would just encourage anyone who reads our book to reach out to me anytime with if they have either feedback about an existing product or ideas for products, things that we don't have available that, that we think we should consider making available. I A big part of my job is coming up with new ideas for products. And a lot of times I get that from the people in the community that I know who tell me that there's an existing need that's not met. So I would encourage anyone at any time, pick up the phone and call me or email me. My email is kwilson at nbp.org. Excellent. Again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And now, please welcome back to the stage, Susan Warnick. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Hi. Don't worry if you're just getting dinner. Please continue to eat and enjoy this fabulous dinner. I'm sure it's really amazing. Um, You may remember me from before dinner. We have a terrific program. We have some people we want you to meet um, who have done so much for the National Braille Press. And as you know, this amazing organization doesn't just happen. It, it just it happens because of wonderful people, and it starts at the top. So the next person that you are going to meet that I have the honor of introducing is someone that I not only would like you to welcome to the stage, but let's thank him for all that he does. He is the president of the National Braille Press. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian McDonald. Good evening, everybody. Thank you, Susan. She's too nice. Um, I, I'm, I'm here for the reason that I want to bring an award out that we do every year called the Hands-On Award. And it's a very, very special award to us. It is something that um, we've done for many years, and we, we use it to assist with our mission. We recognize people, individuals, or organizations that have made an impact to help us support our mission for Braille and tactile literacy. And at this point, I'd like to invite Tom Croswell to come to this. Oh, there he is. Tom Croswell. Could you give a hand for Tom Croswell with Tufts Healthcare? Thank you, Tuff. So uh, what I'm really pleased about with Tufts is, is this. Um, we have been had a relationship with Tufts Health Plan for over three decades as their, our carrier for our health, health insurance itself. And... Um, not only that, we have had a long-time relationship since 2007 when Tufts has been a major sponsor of our gala. But the most important part of it is Tufts employees have volunteered with us since then and have assembled over 4,000 Braille books for our Braille books uh, program. So it's an amazing amount of time. We have great corporate people that help us, as you know, and this event is also a great event. But when we have people come into our building and assemble these books, it's not only great for us from a labor and a productivity point of view, but it really connects them with our mission. So we're very grateful for Tufts for doing that. Thank you, Tom, for presenting. We we want to recognize you now and provide the hands-on award for 2019 to Tufts Health Plan and Tom Creswell. Thank you. Where's our photographer? 
Thank you uh, very much, Brian, and uh, to everyone at National Braille Press for recognizing Tufts Health Plan for this year's hands-on award. We're, we're really privileged and, and honored. Our relationship, as you said, goes back decades, and um, uh, it's a long-term partnership of which I'm very proud, and that makes all of our employees feel very good as well. I'd, I'd also like to thank all of you here tonight, all 300-plus of you here tonight, for supporting the mission of the National Braille Press. It's obviously very important they're delivering unique services and value to uh, people without sight, and um, it really, really important. The, the work they do is important not just for the people they serve, but to uh, the betterment of all of our communities. Um, you know, Brian already referenced the uh, volunteers who participate. We have an annual volunteer day uh, at Tufts Health Plan. And one of the events that they truly look forward to is, is uh, what you referenced. It really makes them feel very good. It's very meaningful and very consistent with our mission to improve the health and wellness of the diverse communities we serve. So certainly on behalf of all the Tufts Health Plan employees, I want to thank you again for this recognition. We truly are honored. Thank you. We have a second one. I also want to ask if Frank Gibney could come to the side of the stage as well. Frank Gibney's with the Gibney Family Foundation. Over time, I have uh, ha had the privilege of meeting and talking to many private family foundations. But what is unique and different is that over time, sometimes a private family foundation will change its direction. The second generation or third will go to in a different area altogether from what originally it was founded for. And what's unique and amazing about the Gibney Family Foundation is now there are five generations of family members that have continued to keep supporting the blind and visually impaired. And it's an astounding and, and an amazing accomplishment for a, a private family foundation to stay, stay the course. So we're really honored that they've been able to do that. And I'm very pleased to give Frank Gibney and the Gibney Family Foundation the Hands Honors Award for 2019 as well. Can you get a picture? <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much, everybody in this room. Um, can you believe that it's been 200 years since a 13-year-old invented a way to give blind folks a way to communicate? I mean, amazing. I mean, wouldn't uh, some of us like to have that kind of legacy, right? <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's amazing to me as an engineer. I don't know of any engineers that have made that kind of impact with that little change. Except tonight, um, all of you are here. We're supporting 
National Braille Press. We're here in this fantastic uh, building. I haven't been here since 1974 <laughs> when, uh, when I, I met with the founder of this organization, Brad, and his wife, Barbara, that inspired me to go climb Mount McKinley. And they were quite, uh, quite the explorers. But what we're really here to celebrate tonight is how National Braille Press has been exploring the boundaries of tactile literacy. It's so, so important. And I haven't heard too much about STEM tonight, but STEM is the future of us all. I mean, science, technology, math, all of that is important. And without uh, all of us understanding that kind of thing, we just aren't going to go forward with the rest of our peers. So STEM, and anyway, I, I, uh, I've diverged a little bit and I'm going to keep your attention for at least another seven minutes. So bear with me, if you will. Um, the, our family, I'd really like to tell you the story about how we got connected here, and maybe it'll inspire other younger families and older families to do similar things. Um, <clears throat> back in, uh, uh, it, it all started with Helen Keller herself. And uh, my grandmother and great aunt Lil showed up at our house in East Longmeadow, Massachusetts, a modest little house. They came from little apartments. And uh, they were banging away on the kitchen table with, uh, you know, these clunky typewriters. I said, what is going on here? Nobody knew what it was. Come to find out, guess what? They had Perkins Brailers. They had been so inspired by Helen Keller and one of her speeches that they decided to learn Braille, buy Braillers, and translate kids' books into Braille for the rest of their lives. And, I mean, how efficient was that, right? <laughs> so, anyway, my dad, hey, yay Boston, and, uh, Harvard MBA that he was, um, Dad uh, it shared his values with our family. And those values, one of those values that I'll never forget, hopefully there are a bunch more, uh, is that kids and, and my sister Susie and Joni and myself were all part of this. We shouldn't spend money that we don't earn. And, you know, what a value that is. It comes from the depression, obviously, you know, and there's a lot of need out there. Anyway, fast forward to when my sisters and I were about 40, in our 40s. Um, we said, uh, or dad got us all together and he said, hey, uh, since Aunt Lil is gone, um, you know, I'd like to take her estate and preserve it for charity. And he looked at myself and my two sisters and was looking for buy-in, and there was a long pause. And he said, well, you know, beyond that, I'd, I'd really like to have you join me in starting the Gibney Family Foundation. And, and by the way, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could preserve uh, that same focus that your grandma and great-aunt Lil had to support the blind? 
And so my sisters and I didn't even know what a found, private foundation was. Uh, you know, we didn't know anything at that time, but looked at ourselves, nodded our heads and say, Dad, whatever you want to do. Well, the rest of the story is that in the safe deposit box, my dad was executor of our estate. He's pulled out a whole pile of stock certificates from the sale of my great uncle's New York City uh, package delivery business to United Parcel Service. <laughs> so anyway, the bottom line is we started the Gibney Family Foundation. Um, I'm so fortunate to have a family, as uh, Brian mentioned, that are uh, all, there are 40 of us now that are in uh, 12 different states supporting this blind cause and other causes. Um, tonight, I'd like to um, uh, basically say uh, in 2003, the rest of the story is that Mike, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Bill Hayes, where are you? Okay, Bill. So, Bill, I, Bill's only been involved with the press for 55 years. <laughs> anyway, Bill and I met at another board meeting, and he heard about this thing for the blind. He said, hey, uh, I want you to come to the National Braille Press for a, a, a meeting. And so I went with him, and guess who was at that meeting? It was Michael Meller. And Michael sitting at the table with us tonight, and uh, uh, he, he was there to try to conjure up some money to write uh, Lewis Braille a touch of genius. Well, here I am, young engineer sitting in the office, and I heard those touch of genius words, and I said, wow, we, you know, maybe we could, you know, just fund the book, that's ancillary, but maybe we could, maybe we could actually uh, inspire an award and get a lot of other kinds of ideas like Braille had to this plate. Anyway, fast forwarding again, congratulations, Mike, for all the success that you've had on that book, and it's now in seven languages. You're going to get a copy if you want one going out the door. <laughs> and anyway, so uh, the prize was a whole different realm. Well, um, I haven't seen Paul McLaughlin here tonight, but he was really instrumental in convincing the board that this wasn't too crazy and we ought to support that crazy guy Gibney on, on uh, you know, this thing. So anyway, uh, years go by. Brian McDonald comes on board. He starts the Center for Braille Innovation, which partnered with the prize. Uh, all of the stuff that you see in your, in your uh, catalogs and the innovations um, are all happening. So two of, the, two of the great things that are happening, um, there's that Braille cap caliper that's out there. It's a little $12 item. It's fantastic. It's getting great sales around the world. A Braille meat, Braille note is being sold for one-fifth to one-tenth of the cost of, of uh, competing items around the world. This is making Braille accessible. 
most important uh, and most exciting to me as a big advocate for distance learning for blind folks nationally is the, the 2019 Touch of Genius winner um, with uh, the Conte 360, and it's a, a full tablet of refreshable Braille that'll be able to do charts and graphs and all kinds of cool stuff that only the imagination can bring about. So uh, we're really very close to having accessible distance learning happen. Anyway, bottom line is, uh, to wrap this up, studies show that about 75% of folks that are visually or blind are uh, unemployed. Fortunately, uh, in this room, 90% uh, of folks that have a good handle on Braille are employed. Our foundation, yeah. If that means anything to anybody in this room, um, if you're thinking about supporting an organization that's going to create sustainable solutions for independence for blind folks worldwide, this is the place. And bottom line is, this is uh, the National Braille Press has earned uh, our honor and as being the uh, longest standing grantee in our foundation's history as a result of that impact. Thank you all very much for keeping this all alive. Thank you. <clears throat> Unbelievable, Tom, Frank, congratulations. I mean, that's, that's what people do, folks. And that's what we're all doing here tonight. It's just amazing when you stop and you think of the individual achievements, the Family Foundation for Tufts. And I know there are a lot of people from Tufts here tonight, too, as well as the Lions and some other organizations. Yeah, the Lions, give yourselves a round of applause. The Lions are here. We're all working together, and now we're all going to do that because we are going to have a fabulous live auction right now, folks. Well, actually, we were supposed to have a live auction, but the crowd, I don't know, you're all so spirited. I was thinking, let's forget the auction. Just take your credit cards out and hold them in the air, and someone will just come along and pick them up. And then we'll just make a lot of money quickly. No, we have four very, very good live auction items. And here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you a brief description. Um, there will be bullet points up on the screen. And then you are going to bid wildly and madly for these items. Okay? I'll give the description if you have any questions at all about the items. Just keep them to yourselves. I'm really not that interested in your questions. No, it's all self-explanatory. Very, easy, very easily understood. Item number one, ladies and gentlemen. See the Red Sox play in Chicago. Follow the Red Sox to Wrigley Field in Chicago as they play the Cubs next year. You will get tickets to one of the games, Cubs versus Red Sox at Wrigley Stadium between June 19th and the 21st. That's again next year. Your trip comes with 
a three-night stay for two people right across the street from the park at Hotel Zachary. There you will enjoy a round of drinks and appetizers at the bar hotel after the game. Your stay includes two mornings of free breakfasts as well. An unforgettable Red Sox game day and stay awaits just minutes from downtown Chicago and Lake Michigan. And we will even get you there. For the right price tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we will put you on a Fung Wei bus. No, we are going to fly you to Chicago. So, it's a great package. We fly you to Chicago. You see the game. You get drinks. You get apps. You get breakfast. You stay in a beautiful hotel. And then, we'll even fly you home. So, this is worth $1.6 million, as many of you, I'm sure, know. But we're going to start the bidding at $1,000. So, we're in the room. 1,000, I have 1,000 now, and 1,200 quickly to 400 we go. And 400 back in the room is 400 and 600 now. 16, $1,600, ladies and gentlemen, where? 14 we have in 16 now. $1,600 and 18, 18 back over here. 18, 16, 18, 18, $2,000 and 22 now, and 2,400. 24, ladies and gentlemen, is where? $2,400. Get your hands in the air, please, so I can see you. 24, thank you. 24 over there. Where? 26. 26? Yes, 26. 28. 28 back over here. 28. Let's keep it going, folks. 28. 28. We have 26. 28 in the back. Thank you. Thank you. And an even $3,000 buys it tonight. $3,000. Yes, 3000 3200 Keep it going, folks. 3200 Yes, and 34 to you. 32 and 34 to you, sir. Yes. Yes. Don't look at her. Look at me. She's dying to go. 34, 34, 34. You're my bid at 34. 36 to you, sir. 36 now. 34, we all in and done? No, keep it going. How about 35? He's 34, 35, 34 going once, 34 going twice, and sold for 34. $100. Thank you very much. One of the volunteers will come over and get your number. Okay, item number two. Oh, this is unbelievable. Anybody who has come to this auction before knows about Chateau Gabby. And if you don't know, I'm going to tell you right now. This is thanks to the amazing Tom Sullivan, who donates this amazing package to his vineyard year after year after year. Tom's vineyard is Chateau Gabby. Isn't this a beautiful picture? That's not where you're going. But it's a lot like, no, that's exactly where you're going, folks. I'm going to tell you about this. It is in the heart of the most beautiful part of France. If you ever dreamt about relaxing in a critically, in and a critically acclaimed vi <laughs> vineyard, look at this. And this is their smallest size. Isn't this, let me just tell you, the vineyard's been in operation since the 1700s. It is located in the heart of Canon Fransoc and is widely regarded as one of the prestigious wines of the Appalachian. 
Located principally on south-facing hills of limestone and clay, the Gabay wines are produced to be an expression of this outstanding area and the property's rolling hills, which run down toward the Dorgon River. Are you getting the picture? So here's where the actual auction item is. You get to go. You and nine friends get to go. You get to spend five nights and six days at Chateau du Gabi in Bordeaux, France. As I mentioned, the accommodations are up, yeah, I know, up for 10 people. This also includes 12 bottles of award-winning Gabi wine and round-trip airfare for two. So, 10 people get to go, you buy it tonight, your airfare comes with it, and then you get eight other people that you can invite to come with you. So, we are going to start the bidding because this is such an amazing package. We're gonna start the bidding, I'm gonna say at, well, why don't we start at 3,000? 10 people, 3,000 and go. Three and four and 5,000 that quickly. And we're six, seven, and eight. Six and we're seven and 8,000. 6,000 in the back, we're 7,000, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, 7,000 and 8,000 to you, sir? 8,000? 8,000 now, where's $8,000? 8,000 to you, and nine now, and 9,000. 9,000, 10,000, let's keep it going. 10,000 down in the front, and 11,000. 11,000 is where? 11,000, ladies and gentlemen, think about this. 10 people, $11,000, $11,000. Buy this tonight for $15,000 and then sell it to your friends for a couple grand a piece and make a few bucks, come on. And we have 11,000 and 12, where in the room is $12,000, I have a 13 now. And 14, let's keep it going at $14,000. 14 is where, get your hand up for $14,000. It comes with the wine, the experience, and all that time there. 16,000 to you, sir, thank you. And 17 now, 17,000. Let's keep it going, 17,000. This is authentic, this is not the Chateau Gabby Motel 6. $17,000, yes, and $18,000. $18,000, ladies and gentlemen, $18,000. This comes with it as long as well as the other wine. $18,000 in the back, $18,000 and $19,000. $19,000, what a wonderful destination for a wedding or an engagement party. Don't even bring nine other people, just go yourself. 19,000, where in the room? We have 18, 19, yes, 19,000. And even 20,000 is where? $20,000 where, ladies and gentlemen? Get your hand up for $20,000. This is an unbelievable opportunity. And if you don't believe me, then we have other people in this room tonight who have actually been. Dan, Dan Hurst, where's Dan? Dan has gone several times. Yes, Dan, and you're bidding on it now. No, that wasn't a question. <laughs> we have $19,000. Dan, wouldn't you say this is worth every dime of 20 grand? Easy. 20,000. We're in the room, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody give me the closing bid at $20,000. Yes, and we have $20,000. Yes, and we have $20,000 on in the front. Is there any advance? Any advance on 20,000? We're going to sell it off. $20,000, ladies and gentlemen, going once. 20,000 twice, 
sold for $20,000. Nicely done. Good for you. Excellent. Thank you. Someone will come and get your number. Auction item number three, ladies and gentlemen, the best Boston seats in the house is what we're calling this. Start off your fall with the best Boston sports tickets that you can get. Attend the Patriots versus Giants game in just a couple of weeks from four Putnam Club seats. The game is on October 10th at Gillette Stadium. It comes with a parking pass, a parking pass for game day. So you have a shot at getting home the same evening as the game. The parking pass is worth a lot of money, folks. Don't even go to the game. Just buy this for the parking pass. The VIP treatment continues with two floor side seats to a Celtics game. The game is January 22nd. It is against the Memphis Grizzlies at TD Garden. This package also includes parking at TD Garden and a limited edition of N a limited edition NBA TSO Celtics watch. So to review. You have the tickets for the Patriots game, four tickets to the Putnam Club seats, you have free parking with a VIP parking pass, and then you have two floor side seats at the Celtics game. Floor, you're sitting right there. You are so close, they are sweating on you. That's what we're talking about, excellencies. So, and also the watch, the NBA Celtics watch, and parking to TD, TD Garden, TD North Garden. So, we're gonna start the bidding off, because this is a package, donated, by the way, by the Celtics, and Ted and Kathy Truscott, so thank you so much to them. We're gonna start the bidding at two grand for all these seats and, and great parking. 2,000 we have, thank you, 2,000. We'll start at 2,000 and we'll go now, we'll go to 2,500. 25 is where? 2,000, 25, we're in the room. 2,500 dollars, we have 2,000 and 2,500. There, thank you, 2,500, 3,000. 3,000 dollars now for all the seats in the park. 3,000 dollars and 35 now. 3,000, we have 3,500 dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, 3,500 where? 3,500. Did, did you remember? Did I mention free parking at the garden? Seriously? You cannot park in the city of Boston for $3,500, all right? So this is worth it. $3,500, and it comes with some sports seats. $3,500, yes, and we have $3,500 and $4,000 where? Keep it going. $4,000 for the National Braille Press. Yes, $4,000. Thank you, we have that. And $45, $45, $45 where? Tickets to the, pardon me? I didn't hear you. Forty-five. We need forty-five now. Tickets, tickets to the Patriots. Parking. Four seats there in the Putnam Club seats. By the way, two floor seats at the at the Garden for the Celtics. Forty-five hundred. Anybody? We have four thousand. Are we in and done at four thousand? Four thousand. Forty-five hundred. Last minute, she sneaks in. I like your style. Forty-five hundred. We have and five thousand. Five thousand. Somebody get your hand in the air for four or five. Any advance at all on 4,500? 46? 4,600? 45 going once. 45 twice. Sold for $4,500. Nicely done. Very nice. Okay. Our last, our last auction item tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is very unique because it's a very special opportunity. You can dedicate a children's book 
to the person of your choice. One of NBP's books, and there are four of them, are available for you to dedicate the full run of the books to the person of your choice. It can be an amazing gift for any book lover in your life. You dedicate this to maybe one of your kids, a friend, a parent, a supportive, a supportive grandparent, and any other family member, anybody that you would like. The book comes out the full run in the book is dedicated to somebody that you would like to honor for whatever reason. And it will be in the book along with your message. It will be printed in a run of two to 300 copies of the book. And the winner will get to choose from the list of NBP's children's books, including Animal Kisses, Tiger Who Came to Tea, Dodsworth in New York, and Little Bear's Friend. So you get to pick which book the name of the person, the honoree, and your message to that person is in every one of the books. This is really very special. What a wonderful way to go down in history as thanking and loving someone. So we are just going to say $7,500, folks. $7,500 and you have the opportunity to honor someone. There are a couple people here tonight who would like to make that possible. Yes, thank you so much. And we have $7,500 right there. And you get to pick whichever book you like. And another person, there are four books, another person also can do it. For $7,500, thank you very much. And we have two people. We have two people at $7,500 will get to pick the book that they like. And there are two more books, folks. There are two more books that you get to make this very special dedication. Is there somebody else in the room who would love to do this, to go down in history as thanking or loving a family member or honoring a child? that that child for the rest of his or her life will grow up knowing that they were important enough. Do any of you have children in this room that you would like to honor? So you don't really like your kids is what I'm getting. All right. I, it's, that's, is there anybody else? Folks, we have two more books. Two more. We have, yes, thank you so much. You want to do a second book? Two books? Yeah, you're going to do two books. That's great. So you'll do two, and you'll do one. And we have one more book, folks. Is there anybody else? $7,500. One more book. Yes, number 138. And we just sold all four books, and that's wonderful. Let's give yourselves a huge round of applause. Folks, we just made some important money for the National Braille Press very quickly in this room. Thank you so much for your generosity and your spirit. And we have some fun now. We have a lot more to do tonight. Um, the next thing is I have a video. As you're enjoying your desserts, we have a video that we'd like you to watch and, and some very special people we would like you to meet. Tactile graphics are an important literacy tool for children who are visually impaired and must be explicitly taught as they are not automatically meaningful. As the child develops more concepts and braille skills, higher level graphic skills are introduced. In this adaptation of a lesson from the American Museum of Natural History, What Teeth Tell Us, the lesson involved examining pictures of dinosaurs. We used a book of raised line drawings with braille, the Tactile Book of Dinosaurs by Tactile Vision Associates. We were able to examine the teeth of the dinosaurs as per the lesson, while at the same time teach the students the skills of learning to use tactile graphics. 
For a younger child, this involves orientation to the drawing and discovering the graphics parts, as well as the whole concept of the drawing in relation to real objects. All the students demonstrated more confidence with more exposure. We also used tactile graphics of human teeth instead of examining teeth using a mirror. These graphics allowed us to reinforce using a key to understand the graphic. NBP produced the dinosaur skull graphics and other graphics of dinosaurs, skulls, and teeth from the APH Tactile Graphic Library. Incorporating other additional objects helped the students successfully identify the carnivore versus herbivore teeth. Graphics are essential to reinforcing the concepts of perspective, distance, and cross-sections, and a tool for learning geography, geometry, and the sciences. Stegosaurus is easily identified by the hard plates sticking up from its back. So we are lucky enough we are lucky enough tonight to have the star, one of the stars of that video with us. A warm welcome, please, for Hannah Ge Gevers. Gevers, Hannah Gevers. Hannah, hi. Hi, Hannah. You were very good in the, uh, in the video. Did you have fun? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. So, Hannah, how old are you? I'm nine years old. Wow, and so tell me about, what are you doing in school? <clears throat> um, I'm working on the math I ready assessment. Yuck! <laughs> and... So, yuck, why? Because I don't like assessments. Well, I'd say that's a pretty good reason. Um, how did you like being in the video? Um, <clears throat> good! Yeah, because I think you told me when we were talking before that that's just the start of your career, right? Yeah. Why don't you tell everybody what you're going to do when you grow up? Um, either a singer, a radio host, or a Broadway star. Is there any doubt in anybody's mind? No, there is not. So tell us a little bit about when you went to visit the National Braille Press. What was the best part? Um, I don't exactly know, to be honest, but um, I think my favorite part was when um, we used a staple remover to crush cotton balls or the pizza. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a tough choice, huh? Yeah. yeah. But um, so just tell everybody, like you were telling me before, about the National Braille Press and, 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 and kind of why you came tonight. I don't know. My parents signed me up because I <laughs> I went two years ago and I thought it was going to be a show like two years ago. Like we had two years ago we did a poem and we like popped up like braille dots and wah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I understand that you had to leave choir practice early tonight to get here and you weren't very yeah. happy. Yeah. So do you want to sing something now? Um, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Well, if you change your mind about that, you know, you, oh, this, is, sure. this is where you're going to start your career. Oh, sure. Um, should I really? Yeah, I think you should. Why not? Come on. Are you kidding me? I think you absolutely should. It's from choir, so. Right, do it. 
Listen to the wind calling out to you. Let it take you soaring through a lovely sky of blue. Listen to the wind. Let it bring you home. Oh, and I don't know the rest of it. Let's hear it for Hannah Givers, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for sharing your talents with us tonight. I know the National Bail Press and your books are incredibly important to you. And if you had a message for every single person tonight in this room, now would be the time to hear it. What would you like to say to people? Um, I, I think I would say, um, I don't, I don't exactly know. Um, blindness does not hold you back. It doesn't hold you back. Never. It would never hold you back. And nothing's going to hold you back, my dear. We're all going to... Oh. <laughs> I want to make sure everybody heard you. And I just said, nothing is going to hold you back, my dear. You said... I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for being with us, Sonny, and thank you for singing, and thank you for all the good work you do for National Braille Press by being sort of our spokeswoman tonight. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. Hannah, thank you, doll. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's hear it for her. That's what it's all about. That's what we're doing here tonight. It's about giving kids the tools they need and the confidence that they need. Who in this room would stand up here and sing? Right? Hannah, that's who would do it, Hannah. Amazing young woman, amazing. She already told me she's way past her bedtime. So we really appreciate your being with us tonight, Hannah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And folks, we are all gonna have an opportunity to help Hannah and many of her other friends in just one moment. First, though, I want to announce we have uh, the winner of the green line in the silent auction, Bill Duncliffe. Where's Bill? Bill, thank you so much. You won the dinner at Myers and Chang. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, so what we're going to do uh, right now is we're going to make sure that every child like Hannah who wants the opportunity, gets the opportunity. We're hoping to raise $60,000. I know it sounds like a lot of money, folks, and it is a lot of money, but we're hoping to do that right here, right now for the National Braille Press. What I'm going to do is I'm just gonna simply ask you for money. You're not gonna go home with a trip or tickets to a great sporting event. You're not gonna go home with anything other than the satisfaction and the full heart of knowing that you have helped get books to the kids who want them and who need them. So I'm just going to ask, is there anybody in the room who could make a pledge tonight of $5,000? Anybody here tonight, thank you so much. We start down in front number 368 with $5,000. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else who could make a pledge of 5000 folks? Yes, and we have another 5000 and we quickly have $10,000, and that's how it works when we all work together. You're going to be amazed at how quickly our total adds. Anybody else at 5000 folks? We have 10 Another five. Thank you, number 327, and we have $15,000 that quickly, and that's how it works. 
Anybody else? We have an even 20,000. One more person at 5,000, folks. Anybody else in the room who can make a pledge tonight at 5,000? Anybody at all? We have 15,000. If we can get two people at 2,500, then we hit 20,000 that quickly. Two people in the room who can make a pledge of 2,500, folks. Can I? Yes, thank you, number 278. And there's 25. And one more. And we've hit $20,000, ladies and gentlemen. One more person at $2,500. Yes, number three. Is it 303? Thank you. And we have just hit $20,000. That's how it works when we all work together. Anybody else at 2,500? Anybody else at 25? Anybody in the room? If I can get five people at $1,000, we're $25,000 that quickly. Can anybody make a pledge? Thank you, number 373 and number 111. And there's 2,000 right there. Three, thousand, three more people at 1,000 and we have 25,000. Thank you. One, two, and three, and four, and five, and six, and seven. And we just made another $10,000. Keep your hands in the air. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, and we are now at almost $35,000, ladies and gentlemen. Two, two, two is another at $1,000. Thank you. And the hand back there is another two. And number 328, and we are well on our way now to $40,000. 287 is another $1,000. Thank you. Number 14, I can't see the other number. 146, thank you. Number 119, another thousand. That's how it works, folks. When we all work together, we are approaching $50,000. Number 287, thank you. Four more people at a thousand. Four more. Number 132, thank you. Three more is all we need now. Three more at a thousand, folks. Keep it going, please. We take MasterCard, Visa. This year we're taking JC, Penny, and Shell. 152, thank you. Two more at a thousand. Two more at a thousand, ladies and gentlemen, and we are going to surpass $50,000. Two more at a thousand. Two more? Two more people? Is anybody else in the room? Okay, this is how we'll do it now. No, number 287 at a thousand. Thank you. Thank you. One more person? One more at a thousand, folks. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Yes, number 1,005. And we are at 50,000, and we are going to keep this going. If we can get two people at 500 makes a thousand. Could you put your hand in the air? If you could make a pledge, please, of $500 tonight. 317 and 140, and there's a thousand dollars right there. Thank you. Two more. Two more, please, at 500. 160, and in the back, and there's another thousand dollars. And I can't see your number back there, but thank you. A volunteer will get it. And there's 500, and number 371, and there's another thousand dollars, folks. That's how it works. That's how quickly we we raise money when we all work together. Number 156, thank you. And number 238, and there's another $1,000. And let's keep it going. 143, thank you. And one more, and we have another $1,000. One more, thank you, in the back. And there's another $1,000 right there. Anybody else at 500? Anybody else? Yes, thank you. There's one in the back and one more. Let's even it up to 1,000. One more person at 500. Ladies and gentlemen, where in the room? Just one more person is all we need at $500. One more. Anybody else at 500, please? Thank you. And there's another 1,000. And that's how it works. And now we're going to go down to 250 because four people at 250 and there's another 1,000. And it adds up so quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, number 184, 250, 145. And there's 500 right 
right there. And in the back is another 250 and one more, and we've got 1,000. One more person. Thank you, number 266. Thank you. And let's start on another 1,000. 361 and 114. Thank you again. And number 389 and number 170. And there's another 1,000 right there. See how it works. See how quickly we can raise money when we work together as a community. Four more people at $250, folks. Four more, yes, there's one, and two, and two more is all we need for another thousand. I see your two and two more, please. Two more people at 250, we have another thousand, ladies and gentlemen. Two more, there's one, and one more, one more is all we need, thank you, and there's another thousand. And 250 for you, thank you. 250 and one more, and we have another 500. Yes, thank you, 211. And there is another 500 and two more, and we have another 1,000. Anybody else at $250, ladies and gentlemen, please? Yes, in the back, thank you. And one more, one more person, thank you. 309, 126, 189, thank you. Two more, 186, one more is another 1,000. One more, $250, ladies and gentlemen, please. One, yes, number 378, and there's another $1,000. And we are cooking here tonight, folks. Let's keep it going. I know we all came for the same reason. We all want to be involved. Let's try to get close to 100% participation. I'm going to ask for pledges of $100. If you could put your hand in the air, if you could make a pledge for 100 and keep your number up, and I'll just count them off, and the volunteers will come over to get your, will come over to get your numbers. Thank you so much. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's another thousand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, and ten, and there's another thousand, ladies and gentlemen. And in the back of the room, one, four more is all we need for another $500. Two, and three more. Thank you. Three, and four, and five. Thank you. And we're working on another thousand. One, two, three, two more. We have another $500. Ladies and gentlemen, two more is all we need. Two more and $100 is all we need. Two more hands in the air, please. One and one more. Thank you. And we just made another $500. Give yourselves a huge round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. We made some very important money for the National Braille Press very quickly here tonight. There are also cards on your tables. If you were too shy to raise your hand um, or if you want to make an additional donation, Please take the cards. If you need some help, one of the volunteers will come over. And if you've already made a pledge, take the cards home and put them in the mailboxes of your neighbors. Isn't that a great idea? The thing is that once everybody hears about the National Braille Press, everybody wants to be involved because they do such amazing work. Wouldn't you agree with me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, and give yourselves a huge round of applause for your generosity. We are going to take a quick break. Um, actually, do we even have to? Because I think dessert's already down. It's already down, right? So we, can we go right? No, take a break? Okay, we are going to take a quick break, but we don't want you to leave because, you know, we call tonight a million laughs for literacy, and we have um, Pat McGann, who is a nationally known comedian. He's very, very funny, and he's with us tonight with a terrific show. So enjoy your desserts. We're going to take a, brief, a quick break. 
Well, no, they told me to take a break. We'll take a very quick break, and we'll be back with with Pat McGann, ladies and gentlemen. So enjoy your dessert, and, and don't move. Okay, everybody. This is ACB Radio Live Event. Uh, Rick Morin's here with you. That is the voice of Susan Warnick, who was a legendary news anchor here in the Boston area for, God, oh, decades. And uh, <laughs> a lot of interesting history with her. Uh, she's been involved. You know, she not only did she report the news, but she was the news uh, several times. So, but anyway, she's uh, certainly good at what she does to wrestle up the money. So, good stuff. Um, I'm here with Brian Charlson, and Brian right now is uh, in the process of sending a text <laughs> back to Debbie. And uh, I, I'll bring up Brian's mic here. Um, you may. Hello, Brian. Can you hear me? Huh? There you go. There I go. The difficulty is that. Um, <clears throat> hold on. One moment. One moment. <laughs> uh, he's got these glasses that he got from yes. Bose and uh, did you did you, I did you am send a it? looker right now yes he's, he's, however Debbie when you get it if it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> I want you to know I dictated it correctly <laughs> and then it heard Rick talking over the microphone and suddenly uh, instead of me saying uh, Rick screwed up the last message when he was coming back from the restroom. It said something about Google doing something in the restroom, and I don't mean, I don't mean that. Anyway, nonetheless, I did send it, and it did go out. It did. I promise you, this time. And you really, uh, I'm so technically challenged, Rick. Well, it is and, so and, sad. And you were tickled to hear from Debbie. Right? Oh, delighted, delighted. Hey, Debbie, guess what? You wouldn't believe it. Uh, I pitched a book idea to <laughs> National Braille Press. Did I not, Rick? Yeah, I was there. Uh, I, I pitched there. a book idea to National Braille well, Press. You, you pitched and they two. seemed you pitched, quite interested. You, you pitched two. But I'm telling Debbie about the one that deals with <laughs> cooking. Uh, now, how did your wife react when you told her? Well, well, first off, let's make it clear that this this is a fine book <laughs> in the making. And uh, I'm hoping to have a co-author of Judy Dixon, who has a lot of experience in doing these NBP books. But mine is going to be on technology and the kitchen. Well, I, I, I think you could also draft the hazelnuts. Uh, exactly. What I, why, why I was I, Mr. Rick, <laughs> what? stay with me now, okay? Because you're a little <laughs> slow on the uptake. Why was I telling this to Debbie in the first place? I, I, I don't know. Because she's the hazel of hazelnuts. There you go. Is there that not go. true? That's absolutely true. Anyway, there you go. So I'm going to do a book with National Braille Press. And if you listen to the uh, interview of the editor for National Braille Press, see if Rick remembers her name. Cassell. Cassell 
K-E-S-E-L, Cassell Wilson. Wilson, that's right, Cassell Wilson. So after I interviewed Cassell, uh, I pitched a few book titles, <laughs> book topics to her, and she's definitely interested in a uh, proposal for the cookbook, and also quite intrigued by a proposal for a book on the history of the dollar bill <laughs> as a tool for learning tactile literacy. So, we shall see. I may be doing two books. Yep. Not just one. But when I mentioned to my wife that uh, I was going to do a book, she was, <laughs> shall we say, astounded. Was astounded the right word? And, and I think there was a little bit of doubt in uh, the astonishment that somebody like me would do a book. Because after all, I don't have my master's in library science. <laughs> I haven't published a book on making pictures with your Braille writer. I haven't co-authored books on Braille and books on audio description. So, I am going to get into the writing of books in areas that I have a passion until I have published one more book than Kim has. So you, you should have drafted her as your editor. Oh, no. Uh, who? <laughs> Kim. Not on your life. <laughs> well, you know. She's just mad that you're going to do it with Judy. Well, there probably is some of that. The one of the ones she co-authored was with Judy. So Judy has a history with us in this regard. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, that was a great fundraising effort here. That really was. Um, you know, I, when, we, when we interviewed Cassell earlier, the book that is the hottest book at National Braille Press right now is that dating book. That's right. Right. And I told her that I was embarrassed that I didn't know that it went came out in the spring. But probably my wife was delighted that I did not have knowledge about online dating. Now, Cassell's reaction when you talk to her about the cooking book, and, yes. and it's kind of cool because it's a 21st century cooking methods for the blind, right? Right. Uh, at least that's what Kim named it, right? Yeah. You know, that, you know she, came, right. she came in and she kind of offered her opinion in terms of... Oh, titles, um, yeah, title subsections. Of, and she gave you a whole table of contents. Yeah, and, that's right. And, and, and this was while we were eating yards. nachos. Yeah, this is, yeah. This is while I was eating my Patriot Burger in between bites of my Patriot Burger. But Cassell said the book uh, would be cool if there was a chapter about what now? The perfect date night meal. <laughs> so, so that um, you could, you know, make it that little personal twist. Not just a how-to book, but one with a little side story uh, in it. So I, I, I can see myself doing that. I think it was a clever idea uh, in that whole NBP idea of not just writing how-to books, but how-to books that um, also include uh, ideas of a social nature. Yeah, them, no, like the dating book. No, it was cool. I, I really like the way Cassell uh, talked about that whole thing. It's, it's really cute. <laughs> I feel my phone vibrating like crazy. I think there are some people reacting to this whole notion of you writing a book, Brian. It's I, a I sad know. state of affairs. I, I, I think it's people that wanted to co-author with you. See? Now, we had 
cookies for our dessert this evening. Uh, Come on back to your seats. Our co-workers here. Hopefully you've had your glass refilled and you've got had an opportunity to visit with some of your friends, but please come on back to your tables because we have a great, the next part of the program is a great comedian. You're going to enjoy him thoroughly, immensely. You've already probably seen him. He's been on television. You've seen him on The Letterman Show. You've seen him with Stephen Colbert. And in addition to that, you're going to see him at the TD Bank garden because he's going to be he's going to be uh, introducing Sebastian Maniscalco Skalko, I said it wrong I'm sorry he'll correct me um, just next week he's going to be here at the TD uh, TD garden so please sit relax get ready to enjoy yourselves and to laugh hard it's Everybody ready? Yes. yes, okay, let's hear it for one of the best comedians you will ever see in the Science Museum or anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat McCann from Chicago. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Hey, how about it for Susan? Let her hear it. Come on. Give it up for Susan. She's going to be back up here in a minute auctioning off those glasses. So get your bid sheets ready. How much are those starting for that, Susan? Come on, let her hear it. Come on. She's outstanding. Everyone have a seat. We're going to hang out for a minute. You ever see a comic at a science museum before? This is awesome. I'm from Chicago. I've seen about 100 movies about Boston. I didn't know you guys had a museum here, a science museum. You guys don't brag about this in The Departed. They didn't mention this in The Fighter. This is outstanding. I thought maybe you guys might not pay attention to me since you didn't pay attention to Frank Gibney at all. He was up here spilling his heart out after donating his whole life to this cause. Remember, he was just chatting away. <laughs> Where are you at? Where are you at, Frank? There he is, right there. Love, Frank. I just saw a night at the museum. I'm scared that some of these dinosaurs are about to come to life. Anyone else think I was talking about that table back there? Those old people? No? All right, I'm just stalling until everyone sits down. This is like herding cats. I usually have a night off doing this. I'm usually at home, my kids. We got three, my wife and I, three little ones. Yeah, we got one in preschool. Second year, full-time preschool. Just dropped him off last week. He was so pissed off. We didn't tell him he was going back. He was like, again? Like, yeah, again, get in there. That butterfly you made of tissue paper last year? Brutal. Give it another shot. I was like a fifth year walking around that classroom, you know, just helping out younger kids. Like, you looking for glue? Come with me. Don't eat this stuff. I think that's why I'm still here. Now I got to pick them up again, and that's the worst, picking kids up at preschool. It's awful, right? You got to stand out there with the other parents, like your baggage claim, just waiting for yours to come out. Like, sorry, thought that one was mine. We got a white one, too. It's pressure picking up your kid at preschool because you want them to be excited to see you and sometimes they are not. Sometimes they want to stay in the building. You're like, let's go, come on. They're like, no, They're like, come on, a lot going on, big surprise. And they get in the car, where are we going? Home, we're not doing anything. What are you doing? Run at me when you see me. Give me a hug. Now your teacher thinks I beat you, which we do not do, by the way, we do not. But we yell, 
They say you shouldn't yell at kids, but we yell. Some things have to be yelled, right? You can't just be like, hey, get out of the street. There's a bulldozer coming. We yell because they wear you out. It is hard being married with kids, right? It's difficult being married with kids, but no one tells us. We just line up and do it, right? Why is that? There's opportunities. You know how many bachelor parties I was at? They brought a stripper. That's stupid. They should bring out a guest speaker. Right? Just like you fellas all set. All right, let's bring him out. This is Ken. Ken's been married for nine years. He's got four kids. He had to bring two of them here tonight. Now get your dollars ready. He's going to discuss joint checking accounts and sleep deprivation. That's why we fight. We're exhausted, you know? Like my wife, we argue. She says stuff to me. I say right back. Then she gets bent out of shape. Like, oh, really? You wish you were with someone else? Is that what you want? You wish you married someone else, don't you? One of those blondes you dated? It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's my fantasy. Just to be married to someone else. That's what I lie in bed dreaming about. Same exact storyline. Different cast. Yeah, it is tough. It's because we're broke. I think that's the biggest thing, you know? Like, we shouldn't be broke, but we are. Anyone else here broke tonight, acting like you're not? You're like, no, Pat, we just spent $20,000 to go to France. We actually, we're doing okay. We're going to see the Celtics for $5,000. We didn't even notice that Rajon Rondo is not on the team anymore. It hasn't been for five years. <laughs> Gronkowski's gone, too. You guys might want to update some of the picks on the teasers. <laughs> That was so great. You guys want to see Red Auerbach back at the garden? <laughs> Any Bob Cousy fans? Well, you're in luck. Get your bid sheets ready. No, we just spend too much, you know? We're, uh, we're both the youngest, so that's not a good pairing for a responsible marriage. Two of the youngest, right? Because you kind of check out. My parents checked out. I sat in a high chair until I was nine. I mean, they took the tray off and put me against the table, but I looked like a lifeguard sitting there, just up in my tower, like I was refing a volleyball match. We're trying to get together. We just owe everybody money. We got student loans, credit card debt. We owe our kids their birthday money from the last five years. They just open up those envelopes. We're like, hand it over. Give us a taste. You don't do anything around here. We just spend, you know? My wife's always buying stuff online. We got boxes everywhere coming in. You said your uh, family worked for UPS? Yeah, that's my life. I got boxes on my porch every day. Everywhere I go, front door, back door, trunk of the car, she ships up to her office and launders it through the work bag, just sneaking stuff. I don't know what's coming or going. So I was like, I'm returning this. That's for someone else. Like, how much is this? I don't know. I got that a long time ago. Like, before currency? What are you talking about? How much was it? She can never answer that question, you know? Like, are those new shoes? Yeah. How much are those? They were 30% off. Oh, is that how much they were? Let me jot that down in our ledger. So he's decorating our house, constantly decorating our house. We just got a new birdcage. She put that in our living room. Empty birdcage. I had to act like that was normal. Like, thanks, babe, for getting the birdcage. Love it. I was going to put it right there, too. I love the lost parakeet motif. <laughs> this thing pissed me off. I started to judge people how they reacted to it, you know? Because I go to your house, and there's an empty birdcage in your front room. I'd be like, where's your bird? Did you let it out? Did he die? What happened? I mean, really, you go to someone's house, there's an empty gerbil tank with an unattended wheel. Wouldn't you be like, where is it? I'm like, no, this is a shabby, chic gerbil tank and a rustic wheel. Chip and Joanna told us to buy it. And we just do whatever they say because they're so happy. I can't wait for those two to not be happy. 
You ever turn that on, HGTV? Every show's the same, right? Every episode, every show. You turn that channel on, they're always like, we gotta open it up in here. This place sucks. It's got walls. This place could be cool, but it's terrible because there's rooms. Remember rooms? Like, that's what I grew up with, you know? I wasn't allowed in all of them. Like, hey, where you at? I'm in the dining room. Get the hell out of there. Now kids go everywhere in the house, right? They're in our bedroom. They're in our bed. I couldn't go in my parents' bedroom. I was allowed to, like, the threshold of the carpet. There'd be some dude there behind a velvet rope. And I'm like, here to see my folks. He'd be like, you're not on the list. Like, all right, let me go roam around downstairs. We have that open floor pattern now in our house, and it's terrible because sometimes you need to get away from your family, and now we don't have that option. My kids act like punks. I can never be like, hey, get in the other room. I got to be like, hey, back up. Back up. Keep going. So you can't see these signs that your mom hung up everywhere. That's the other thing she spends money on, little slogans. We got catchphrases every time I turn. Farm to table. We have that in our kitchen. Farm to table. I was reading that the other day while microwaving pancakes. <laughs> Breathe. That's in our house. Breathe. It's like, really? Are we that busy? We can't remember? You know that's involuntary? You want to put blink up on the wall too? Eat. That's in everyone's house now. Eat. It's like, we know. We're all fat as hell. That should say jog. Go outside. Get off your ass. We got stuff from the Bible hanging up in our house. We're Catholic. We don't really do the Bible. We got Old Testament sayings. Perhaps this is the moment you were created for. She hung that up in our bathroom. Like, really? This is what I was created for? To sit on the throne and stare at my phone? Anyway, we're hanging in there, you know? We're just not one of those couples that talks to each other online. You ever... You ever see those people having conversations in front of all of us? Like, happy anniversary to my rock. I know it's been a tough journey. No one else I'd rather be going through life with. It's like, oh, these two hate each other. <laughs> they hate each other. You just got to go out. That's the key, right? Go out, married couples, you guys are. This is like a young table here. This is, wow, look at you guys. This is, this 20s? You guys in your 20s? Yeah, we hate you. All of us hate you. All of us, we don't like them, right, 20s? No, we're just jealous. This is good times. I can't even talk about my 20s at home. I met my wife when I was like 31. Sometimes she'll ask me, like, what were you doing in your 20s? I'm just like, nothing. I was looking for you. I thought you were in Mexico one weekend. 20s is when you go out, right? And crush it. You guys crushing it tonight? You guys are like having a, to a tight suit contest over here. Young people wear it snug, don't they? What size is this? Nine to 12 months? Is that, is that a snoop that like sats, snaps up down here? Just like three across? I'm kidding. I'm just, just kidding. This guy's like, I'm out of here. I'm taking the escalator. Peace out. This is a great, sh I mean, this is what a setup. Like the escalator right here. Like I'm in the mall. Just come on down. Where you got? You got going up to Forever 21 up there? You know, check it out. Food court? Oh my goodness, where are we? At least people are paying attention. When Frank was talking, I saw people getting in that shuttle trying to get the hell out of here. I'm like, well, we're leaving this planet. This guy just said he's gonna talk for seven more minutes. Is he not getting the hint? We're not looking up there. <laughs> oh man, what the hell was I talking about? Going out with couples, right? 
That's what I go. You go out married couples. It's a blast. Married couples, you go out, you just compete with how tired you are. That's the game you play. Everyone's exhausted, right? Like, we don't get any sleep. We don't either. It's like, why are we here? Why don't we all go home and lay down? Just have the babysitter take them in the basement for a few hours and tear off a nap. I, I try to engage them, and they just left. <laughs> hey, guys, how's it going? You having fun tonight? You guys out? All right, see you later. Keep the name tags on, dorks. Oh, you just threw it onto the escalator. Wow, how are we going to find out who did that? That's real smart crime right there. I'm out of here. Screw you. Toss my name tag. What a jerk. What's his name? Well, I'll tell everyone. Robert Cipro. That's who it was. It was Robert Cipro, in case you're wondering. And it's written on Sharpie because no one expected him. No one cares about that, dude. Get him out of here. Robert, peace out. Oh, anyway, Frank, I got their attention. You want to come up and say what you wanted to say earlier? Get up there. Finish your thoughts. Anyway. Oh, I like going out with my wife and her friends because they all show up in those open shoulder shirts. You know what I'm talking about? Women in the open, the peekaboo, the cold shoulder. Are those not invading our nation now? What are they, just hand those out to you ladies once you turn 38? They're like, here's your open shoulder shirt. Congratulations. You made the team. Come get your uniform. Now every woman's walking around just pointing to that open shoulder, right? Just check it out. Here's the part of my body I'm confident about. Yeah. What are you looking at? Is that right there? Is that, yeah, that's a tetanus scar right there. That's where the doctor wipes when I get a shot. They love wearing those shirts, right? Then they start talking about their new diets. My wife and her, we go out, my wife and friends, they're always like starting a new diet the next day. You always catch them on their cheat day. They're like, today I'm kind of letting it loose, but tomorrow I'm getting serious. I'm starting a detox. Tomorrow I'm doing a cleanse. I got some apple cider vinegar and some chia seeds. I'm drinking kombucha. You want to do it with me? It's like a 10 day, get some bone broth, just get it all out. Let's do it together. It's like, no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. Okay, well, just so you know, I'm done with dairy. No more dairy. For me. It's like, why do we have to go that far with it? How about no peanut butter cups till Wednesday? Why don't we give that a shot before we throw out all the milk and half and half that we already paid for? We go out, though. We drink. I, I drink. I, I get drunk sometimes, you know? I do. I can admit that. My wife, though, never. So I was like, I wasn't drunk. I was just exhausted, and it hit me. I'm working my ass off. You do do anything around here. It's like, yeah, you looked really wiped out, dancing on the table. Just dry humping the pillar. I wasn't drunk. I had an empty stomach. It's like your stomach was not empty. There was a bottle of Chardonnay in it. You had a margarita. <laughs> she downplays everything. Like, I'll be out on the road. I'll come home. Go out. Go with your friend. She's like, no, it's going to be stupid. I don't want to go, but fine. And then the next day, like, how was it? When did you get home? Oh, I want to leave at 9, but Aaron wanted me to stay, so I got home at 4. Okay, didn't want to go, didn't want to stay, gone. But I'll be back home tomorrow because I've been traveling a lot, you know, which I feel bad about because I got the kids. I, I call home, though. I FaceTime. Usually get thrown into voicemail because my kids usually have my wife's phone, right? 
they're playing a game, or I can relate to that. If I was watching Shawshank and all of a sudden my dad's face popped up on the screen, I'm like, what the hell does he want? Decline. No, I call home. They're always like, you miss us? Like, yeah, I miss you guys so much. I'm in this hotel room all by myself. So I turned on Caillou real loud and threw crackers all over the floor and called the front desk and asked them to call me at four in the morning screaming, Dad, will you wipe me? Because I miss you guys so much. I mean, I miss them, but I, I get to wake up on my own. You don't do that as a parent, right? You wake up to a human being. That's frustrating. That's like your alarm going off. You hold it snooze and it just stands up. It's like, I want a waffle. All my kids do that when they wake up. They all stand up in their bed. When do we stop doing that? That is awesome. Take that home with you. If you're in your 20s, you wake up with someone you're not thrilled about, just stand up on your mattress. Start walking around. Like, what do you want to do today? Just make sure your ceiling fan is off. But I'll be back home tomorrow. Back home answering questions, helping out. That's what you got to do. You have little kids, you answer a million questions every day. Every day is a huge press conference. And it starts right in the morning. My daughter, the other day, how come there's holes in my Cheerios? Like, just eat it. Like, what, the hell, what am I supposed to tell her? That's profit for General Mills. We pay for the void. My son wanted to know why the inside of our windows were frosted. It's like, dude, that's science. I went to Catholic school. No clue. No clue. <laughs> I'm walking around this building like I don't remember any of this stuff. We didn't cover this in Catholic school. When's Ma going to be home? That's a big one I get, though. That, that question all day, every day. When's Ma going to be home? When's Ma? It's like, don't you think I'm wondering the same thing? I don't know. I don't. How about this? When I start paying attention to you, she's close. When I put my phone on the counter, she's in the driveway. Let's go find out how her day was. Which we don't do that a lot. We don't, you know, at the end of the day, download. We don't do that a lot. Because we're texting all day long. And that ruins the way you communicate, right? Like my wife, we just text all day. Unless she comes home from work. Like, how was work? Fine. Anything happen? No. And then I'm like, leave the house. My phone's blowing up. Like, what's our five-year plan? Are we saving enough for college? We need a new fence. I was like, I was just home. You didn't say anything to me. Now I'm trying to merge. Yeah, you shouldn't text the person that you're with, you know? You ever get those texts like, oh, worst day ever. It's like from the person that you're married to. Worst day ever. It's like, what? Really? I'm having a good one. Why are you trying to drag me down? Can you ride it out till sundown? What are you doing? You ever get that text from the person you're with? What are you doing? It's like, pretending I didn't see this. So I can go do something and come up with a response. This sounds like a trap. But anyway, it's good to be out, right? Oh, man. You, anyone here married? What's your deal? What do you like, the chaperone of this table? <laughs> are these your kids? Oh, man, I say that's a lot of kids. Because people don't have a lot of kids anymore, right? We have three. I act like that's a lot. But people used to have, like the boomers. Like our, my parents are boomers. Their parents gave us the boomers because they just won the war and they were feeling great. Like, let's do it. We run the world. Now it's like, let's slow down. Everything's expensive and dying. That generation is leaving. That genera- you know what I'm talking about? Like our grandparents, like we, both my grandparents are gone now, which sucks because that's a generation that valued things. And now we don't value anything, right? I mean, hell, I threw a frying pan out the other night because I didn't want to scrape it. I'm like, how much was this? 20 bucks? Toss it. We don't cook. You ever try and throw something out in front of your grandparents? You ever open a newspaper in front of them? Like, what are you doing with that rubber band? Put it in the drawer with the other 2,000 rubber bands. Is that the last pickle in the jar? Rinse that out. That's good glass. You might need that if we go to war. 
those people were the best, right? The greatest. That's what they called them, the greatest generation, which is nice, but I don't know. They're the greatest kind of racist, right? Let's be honest. Let's, they weren't healthy, were they? Just smoking their brains out, blowing it in their kids' faces. Just, we beat Hitler. It's like, yeah, you did. Have a 50-year party. Do whatever the hell you want. I mean, you know how much money we spent on drunk driving laws and seatbelt awareness? You know why? Because the greatest generation was whipped around the road, shit-faced and untethered. They were off the rails, just throwing rice after weddings, killing birds, spray-painting pistachios. They worked hard, though. Now people act like they work hard, right? You ever talk to someone about their job? Everyone's buried. You ask anyone, how's work? Oh, I'm swamped. Always vague, though. When you're like, what are you working on? Oh, crazy stuff. You want to understand. Got a lot, of, a lot of, you know, blood balls in the air. Wearing a lot of hats. Putting out fires. Like, oh, I was just calling to see if you saw Game of Thrones. Yeah, all eight seasons yesterday. I just watched it back to back to back to back. Here's how you know if you have a hard job. If you work out the day you went to work, you don't have a hard job. Like my grandpa, he worked in a sheet metal factory. You know what they did? I don't. I just know he wasn't knocking off at lunch to do a spin class. So it's like, hey, you guys keep an eye on my welding mask. I haven't sweat enough. I'm going to go do some hot yoga, and then I'll be back to finish this bridge. Yeah. Now people freak out. They have a conference call. Like, I got a conference call at 11, blowing up my day. It's like nothing is going to happen on your stupid conference call. You ever been on one of those? Just the first five minutes trying to locate everyone, right? Who's that? Is that Debbie? Hey, Deb. No, that's Mark. Hey, Mark. You sound like Debbie for a minute. We'll start calling you little Debbie. I think that's her now. No. Is that Greg? Hey, Greg. Forgot you were joining us. We're just waiting on Deb. Is that her? Are we all here? All right, good. Let's circle back next week and do this again. I just like to put stuff on my calendar. Everyone's busy. Dude, you're the best guy in the room. What's your name? Yeah. Sam? Nice to meet you, Sam. And what do you do, Sam? You raise money for... What's, you're on conference calls all day? Okay, you don't do anything is what you're trying to tell me? One of these guys that works from home? That's the biggest scam in the world, too. <laughs> these people act like they're working hard from home. I had one of those jobs before I got into this, and I got fired. That's frustrating and continue waking up at the office every day. My wife would try and motivate me, like, clean the kitchen, like the old cafeteria. I wouldn't give them the satisfaction. Yeah, it's, uh, everyone's just busy. You got to get outside. That's what I'm trying to do, be outside more, you know? Like, I garden this summer. That's how you know your life is over, by the way, once you start a garden. Anyone here? You guys are all gardeners staring at me like, what are you talking about? Come on, admit it. You know when you're out in the garden that your best days are behind you, right? That's the time to reflect on that. I was out there like, what the hell? I should just bury myself. I mean, really, I never thought I'd get to the point. Like, is there enough money in the account? I'm going to go get some dirt. I'm going to go buy a bunch of bags of dirt. Gardening. I'm growing vegetables. I live in a city, like five blocks from a grocery store. Now I'm worried about this cr these crops. I'm sweating a harvest. I actually found it fulfilling though. I'll be out there watering every day, watching them grow and then bring them in the house and watch them die in the kitchen counter because we don't eat vegetables. Like what are you going to do with 30 cherry tomatoes this week? Can we throw these at cars? Teach the kids how to juggle? We had a rabbit eating half this stuff anyway, which I didn't care. My neighbor was pissed though. He said, we're going to kill that rabbit. I'm like, I'm not shooting a rabbit. He's like, no, we'll poison it. Poison it? It's not my lover. 
That sounds so intimate. My neighbor's great, though. He's, he's old school. He gets ticked off at little things. Like, kids are riding their bikes, you know? He gets ticked that they're wearing helmets. Like, these kids are soft. Look at these kids. This is how it starts. I think, will you calm down? Kids wearing helmets. It's like, come on, we're just smarter. That's progress. You think people always push back on that stuff? You think the Wright brothers, like, really? You guys are putting doors on the airplane? You pansies. Just go up there with a scarf and goggles. My wife loves being outside this time of year. You know, we have a similar climate, right? Chicago, Boston, when it's nice out, you want to be outside, right? My wife likes to eat outside. They go to a restaurant, she like freaks out when they have tables outside. Like, we should get a table outside. What do you think? It's like, calm down. I think the price of air conditioning and rent is in the food. Why don't we take advantage? It's like, she freaks out. We got one fly in the house. Now she wants to be outside with all of the flies. I just don't like eating outside. I don't think anyone really enjoys eating outside. Like, you wouldn't like an indoor restaurant with an outdoor theme, would you? Just come to your table. You guys all set? We're going to release the live bees. We just want to make sure everyone's ass is sweating first. Is everyone's ass, is it coming down your back? Just getting in there? Good. When you stand up, there's going to be a pattern on your shorts because those are metal chairs. And then we're going to turn this fan on and blow everything off your table so you can chase your napkin in front of all these strangers. You want to play chase your napkin while we sunburn one side of your face? Here come the pigeons. Thanks. At this point, I'm performing for Sam and this guy and the memory of Robert. I miss that guy. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I do a lot of shows, but the name tag thrown in the air. Oh, man, that was the opposite of Wicked Smart. This says Wicked Smart. You guys love being Boston, don't you? Even your museum exhibits. Wicked Smart over here. Check this out. <laughs> That's so great. All right. Let me get back on track. You guys are so fun. I do mean that. I'm, I'm, I was surprised. You guys really came around. I'll talk about my wife some more. She's great, but we do get in arguments, you know, because the kids wear you down. Kids are terrorists. Little kids are terrorists. And as parents, you're always like, we're not going to negotiate with these terrorists. And then they start blowing some shit up and you're like, let's just find out where their demands are. Let's just, <laughs> sometimes you have to take one. Like when they're young, you know, my, my wife will take one out or I'll take, like she took my daughter out the other night and then sends me a text. We're staying out. Thought you guys had some boy time and just left me with the two little dudes for boy time. Is it really? Little guy barely knows he's a boy. Boy time. All right, text me when you're close so I can get rid of all the strippers and blow. Boy time? Like, what are we going to do? You guys want to watch a game, throw the ball around? Oh, no, you want to stand on that chair and flick the light switch on and off. All right, perfect. What do you want to get into? I'll take all the Kleenex out of the box one by one. That's, don't worry about it. Yeah, I'll just stuff them back in there. I'm just happy to be hanging out with the fellas. We got to get out to Vegas. We like taking them places. My wife wants to do stuff they're not ready for. She wanted to take them to a museum. She wanted to take them to the art museum. It's like, yeah, great idea. Luke was just talking about how he wants to see some impressionist paintings. At least I think that's what he said. I'm not sure. He doesn't really talk yet. The art museum? How about we take them to the mall, get them a pretzel, show them the hand dryers in the bathroom? It'll blow their minds. We went to the zoo. We did do that. That's expensive. You go to the zoo, yeah, like pay to park, pay to get in. The food's not cheap. And then you go in there and the tigers are sleeping. It's like, really? I'm 70 bucks deep. You want to get a manager over here and poke one of these things? Let's go. It's visiting hours. They had a lion there in like a 20-foot cage, just pacing back and forth, pissed off. My daughter picked up on it. Like, I don't think he's happy. 
what's he thinking? I was like, he's thinking about killing all of us. That's a, then she freaked out. I want to go home. I was like, you know what? So does he. He wants to go home too. They didn't trick him when they painted the jungle on the back of his cell. Don't you love how they do that? They try and recreate the habitat with some painting. Like that's fooling the animal. Like, oh, maybe I'm back in the Serengeti. There's my buddies over there. Just runs into a wall, turns around, sees a bunch of fat people eating fried dough. I'm going to do that. You know, my wife, she's been talking about going to Hawaii. I'm just going to paint some palm trees on our wall. Yeah, she'll come home from work. I'll be like, aloha. Here's your Mai Tai. All right. We're almost near the end here. I really want to uh, thank you guys for coming, uh, or for being here, but actually for inviting me here. What a great event. I saw the comics that you've had over the years and uh, got to know these people. We had a conference call. It was actually productive, I will say. Uh, but, but what a thrill. And to see everyone out here supporting tonight. And Hannah, I don't know if she's still in the room, but Hannah blew me away with her song. Give it up for Hannah again. Did she, is she still in the room? She left. Did she throw her name tag halfway up the escalator? She's like, I've seen this guy on YouTube. He sucks. Anyway. I hope you guys had a fun night and uh, keep supporting this wonderful cause. Um, I'll leave you guys with a, a, a kind of a, you get, Boston's pretty Catholic, right? I went to Catholic school, so it's kind of like, you know, but it's different now. You go to school. And I talked earlier about jobs. Like some people do have hard jobs. Like my buddy's got a hard job. He works at high school and he's teaching and coaching. And that's a tough gig now, right? Because you can't talk to him like you used to. Like when we were in school, it's just hard being a teenager now. They're, they have anxiety. They're stressed out. They used to say whatever they wanted to us. Like I went to a Catholic school and my coach playing sports, all those things colliding. And he was insane. Like, I love the dude, but he would just deny reality. He told us he couldn't leave the gym. Like, I'll, I'll lock these doors. We'll run your ass all night. Get on the line. We'll run you all night. I don't care how long it takes. We'll chain the door. It's like, coach, there's a dance here in an hour. They're setting up around us. Like, I wish I knew then what I know now. It's like, really? We're going to stay here all night? Your wife would kill you. You got four kids. Come on. It's a Catholic school. You're not taking, making a lot of money. I've seen your car. Come on. Let's he wouldn't give us water. That's like water was for the week. You're not getting water. You bitches. You don't need water. It's like, well, yeah, we do, coach. We need eight glasses a day just to stay hydrated. You taught us that in health class. That was, that was on your test. He try and motivate us with nonsense, you know, just get us fired up. You see that team coming into our house, warming up at our basket? No, you take that? No, we're to beat their ass. Bunch of scumbags. Their coach is a jerk. Let's get out there, kick them all in the nuts and send them back to hell. Let's go. Bring it up. Our Father. <laughs> you guys are so much fun. I really appreciate you having me. My name is Pat McGann. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Pat McGann, ladies and gentlemen. Let's tell them how much we love them. You were great. Thank you for being with us, Pat. He's great. So, the night, unfortunately, is not coming to an end. We have the room until midnight, so what the heck? You know, let's all do a little stand-up. Um, we are going to let Brian have the last word. So, before you go, folks, once again, let's give it up for Brian McDonald, who does so much. Thank you. Whoops. I guess I'll use, I guess I'll use this. Thank, thank you, Susan, very much. Pat was great. Uh, I just want to do a few quick things uh, to close out the night. First of all, you guys have been amazing. What a, what a great and generous audience. Thank you very much from our hearts. It was amazing. 
Because of your generosity, we raised over $340,000 tonight. So thank you very much. It's amazing. A special thanks to our host and amazing, incredible auctioneer, Susan Warnick. She's, a, she's unbelievable. And to our amazing co-chairs, Tom Sullivan, Kathy and Ted Trescott, you guys are fabulous and thank you so much for all your help and generosity. And then to our event and auction committees and the individual and corporate volunteers from State Street and Northeastern University, thank you every year you help us out and we couldn't do it without you. And last but not least, a thanks to our trustees, our development team and our own staff at National Bureau Press that work hard every day, even though Pat says we don't, we do work hard every day. But um, we couldn't do anything without you either. Um, if you did bid on a silent auction and won, uh, please go upstairs to the finance table to get your item at the end of the night. Um, please help us spread the word about Braille literacy. I hope you learned something tonight about that. Take the Braille books on the table and the tactile graphics, give them to a friend, a school. But thank you so much for all your help tonight. Safe travels home and have a good evening. Thank you very much. We hope to see you next year. Okay. One more year. One more. One now. more. One more on the books. One more. You know, uh, I have to say, I can't really remember any of the shtick of the previous comedians, but that was good. I enjoyed that. I, I can use some of that content. <laughs> yeah. No. I, mean, I, I have to admit, uh, we were laughing yes. probably more than we've had in a long time. Exactly. I especially like the way that he dealt with, with Robert. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts. Uh, that was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether Robert left with his friends or some of them stayed behind. Yeah. And we'll share more with him later. I, I think he was a little bit on the edge, though, with the PG-rated stuff. Well, uh, right toward the end there, but, the uh, references to his coach and what his coach would say. Yeah. A couple of those things. But it's late in the evening. We are done yeah. with this year's... Million Laughs for Literacy, the annual gala fundraiser for National Braille Press. Boy, now that's a wonderful closing. <laughs> this has been Brian Charlson and... And Rick Moore. And thanks for listening, everybody, to ACB Radio Live Event. Uh, ACB Radio is a project of the American Council of the Blind. Thanks to everybody back home or back wherever you are in ACB land, ACB radio land, helping us make this happen. And we'll see you all soon. We'll see you back here next year. And uh, Well, I, we'll be bringing a couple other events between yeah. now and then. Well, I, I, I think we do have Sagebrush coming we, we've up. We've got Sagebrush in February, in February and, yep. uh, and we'll see you then. But thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care. Uh, drive safely. Safe travels. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.